0: All right, we are recording for Contrarians Corner for a super special bonus episode about Street Fighter, the live-action feature.
1: Yes, the 1994 Christmas blockbuster. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, joined as always by my buddy Julio. Julio, we do have uh, a couple of special guests this week.
0: yes these two guests, they were supposed to be our first guests ever. So that's how long ago we extended the invitation. And then they found ways to postpone watching this masterpiece <laughs> over and over. But they could they could escape no more. How are you guys doing?
2: We're absolutely fantastic. I feel bad that it has taken us so long, but I'm so happy to finally be here and to have finally watched this movie because I might be one of the the outliers who was alive in the nineties. I've never seen this before, man. So what? I'm yeah. I know. I know. It, I know it's really strange. So I'm so happy to be here with you guys talking about this movie. How about you, Tove? I'm deeply <laughs> upset that we ran out of excuses. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, this will be interesting. It will. Uh, so, I mean. If you listen to us, you probably already listened to the show. There's our Billy and Topher from We Watch a Thing, mm-hmm. formerly known as Bears on Movies. Man, it's been so long; I've already forgotten your original. Yeah, name. Bears
2: on Bears on Film. You you were actually the I believe the first podcaster to ever reach out to us. You sent us an email about how wrong we were about A Few Good Men, and <laughs> yes, and, and, I remember. And since then, a, a podcast bromance
0: formed. <laughs> That's how you connect with people. You tell them how wrong they yeah, are in their opinions.
1: I remember them as bears on film, like from some of the conceptual days. So I was that's why I threw it over to you to introduce because I couldn't remember what they were right now. So and then I kind of blanked on it. But uh, yeah, uh, the gentleman from We Watch a Thing. Um, just real quick before we get going, I was listening recently to their episode where they um, talked about their favorite movies of the decade. And uh, you guys should definitely check that out. I just need to say here on the Contrarians, we do not condone their views that Fury Road is some great masterpiece. It's a perfectly fine movie, but that's just where it falls. That's
2: exactly how I feel too. I'm so glad someone else feels the same way. Yeah, that's that's a really bad opinion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, Tofer, I just I just like hearing you be positive about a movie any movie so so if it has to be Fury Road so be it
2: there's many many films that I enjoy just just none that Billy makes me watch
1: Alright, so with that out of the way, uh, getting to the customaries, if this is your first time listening to The Contrarians, you're in for a good one, we got a good movie, we got some good guests, uh, but just to give a quick rundown of what we do here, uh, as we like to say, we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine, find a movie that is uh, highly ranked, um, popularly known as Certified Fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, make a case for why it should be taken down a peg, find a movie that is lowly and rotten, usually below 30%, and uh Talk about the positive merit that comes from it. So being that we are covering 1994's Street Fighter, which sits at a lowly 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, we will be making a case for why this movie is great, and that honestly shouldn't be too hard.
0: That's that's as low as Duplex? Lower than Duplex?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want to know how we really feel, hang around till <laughs> Real Talk, and the fact that this is ranked the same as Duplex uh, might be the greatest shining example of how flawed the Rotten Tomatoes system is. <laughs>
0: Unless you're Topher. Or the interpretation
1: (laughs) of the Rotten Tomatoes system, I should say.
0: Uh, All right. Well, uh, I have quotes. So shall we get on with them?
1: Let's do it to it, Lars.
0: All right. So I have three rotten quotes from the Rotten Tomatoes website. Uh, Emmanuel Levy from Variety says, far less captivating than the video game that inspired it. Cool. That's getting rough. (laughs) I'm just glad that he at least is aware of the video game, because I kind of get the feeling that, a lot of the critical reception had to do with people not being familiar with the game.
1: Oh yes, this was long before the era of video games being a socially acceptable medium. <laughs> I mean that that didn't really come around until like PlayStation 2 and Xbox specifically with like Madden. So this was like almost a full decade before that when still you know, virgin nerds and basement dwellers were the only people that played video games.
0: There was no Big Bang Theory. That's what you're saying. Keep, keep going. Uh, next, Felix Vasquez Jr. from Cinema Cray says, Even at 11 years old, I couldn't understand why this was so bad while the games were so incredible.
1: I, I could name a few reasons. You're immersed in one and the other you're just staring at.
0: I think Felix brought his uh, his controller, his Super Nintendo controller <laughs> yeah. to the... To the movies, <laughs> to figure out why it wasn't working, uh, and finally, David Crunkey, Los Angeles Times: The Zeus's wit, which gave his earlier action scripts a tart edge, has failed him here. He pitches his entire movie at the subliterate, said that with glassy eyes unthinkingly <laughs> pumps quarter <laughs> after quarter into video games.
2: Wow, now that is harsh. <laughs> just went in on it.
0: He basically just alienated every single gamer that read his column.
2: I'm sure he loved Assassin's Creed, though. (laughs) Uh, This must have been like the second video game movie ever, right? This was like the year after Mario Brothers, another classic. Were were, were there
0: many... When was Mortal Kombat? It was after, right? Mortal
1: Kombat was 1995. Yeah, because I remember
0: just going into Mortal Kombat saying, if they match Street Fighter, we're... We're in good ground. Yeah. <laughs> this
2: is back when video game movies were good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They've really fallen off the cliff
1: since. <laughs> that is a, a factual statement. Um, so Julio and myself are talking. Before we jump into the movie here, gentlemen, a uh, question of... Um, Street Fighter's cultural impact now, specifically for myself, being a little boy uh, in the 90s in America, Street Fighter was huge. There was a cartoon, there were action figures, and of course, it's hard for me to imagine a little boy that was raised in the same time frame as me that didn't go to the arcade and play this game, because that's also when arcades were all the rage, late 80s, early 90s. Was uh, Street Fighter something of cultural impact uh, in Australia, or is this more
2: of a me being xenophobic American type thing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it was it was a big deal. I I remember it um, being a kid at school because you know we didn't have what's it called money. Like I I didn't get to, we didn't like we didn't have a we didn't have a mega drive. We didn't have a Super Nintendo. So I just always had to pretend that I knew what people were talking about. So I was I I deeply wanted to be absolutely immersed in Street Fighter in Mortal Kombat, but wasn't at all. But yeah. I was like the outlier. Everyone else at school was obsessed.
0: That would have been really funny. If you didn't know, you've never played the game, then you watch the movie, then you show up at school and you start <laughs> talking like you know the game. And like, yeah. nope, that's not it at all. Yeah, Chen Lee's a
2: journalist. <laughs> I know, I'm just trying very hard not to lose all of my primary school social capital <laughs> by admitting that who, who's who's the green guy? And you didn't have much capital to begin with because of the bowl cut. That so. was the only capital I had. <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, well that that soothes some of my concern. I always wonder about that. Like if things that are that were big for me or people are familiar with growing up a pro wrestling fan, you know, I'll try to say things and people just look at me blankly. So I mean it's, I
0: grew up with Street Fighter, but Peru is pretty much a, an American colony. So it, it doesn't really count. Australia, it's on the other side of the world. So. It's way,
1: way, way. Yeah
0: it, So it's wait. On so the Topher, other side of many ponds. <laughs> so Tover didn't <laughs> didn't even play the game uh billy did you play the game
2: uh not much see i was a super nintendo kid so for me i was all donkey kong and mario uh i'm a platform gamer so i did i wasn't really big into fighting games um and because especially most fighting games weren't released on the nintendo especially in australia they had this weird thing even mortal kombat when it came out here they changed the blood to green on the super nintendo copy (laughs) because they didn't they didn't want blood on a nintendo system in australia So, um, yeah, I wasn't really much of a fighting game. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're still, I think, one of the only uh, places that has... that We didn't have an R rating for games for a long time. So any games that would have been R overseas were just blanket banned here in Australia, which caused a lot of controversy. Like, there are still games, you still can't get Hotline Miami 2 here. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of weird things like that. Which, go figure, because if you walk outside in this country, something will try and kill you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Blood everywhere, <laughs> Complete sidebar, but yeah, I remember specifically reading
1: about GTA Three when that came out and the difficulties of getting it released in Australia. But yeah. uh, here nor there, we're here to talk about JCVD, <laughs> Mister Jean Claude Van Damme, and um, the movie Street Fighter, which they say is based off of uh, Capcom Street Fighter Two. The real ones know that is a lie. It is actually based off of Street Fighter Two: The New Challengers. That's why we have <laughs> Cammy, DJ, T Hawk, uh, but uh, Bruce... and we miss. Uh... Lee uh, Fei, Long, Fei Long, who's just Bruce Lee. He's no, he's nowhere to be found in this. But um, <laughs> we start off this movie, and gentlemen, uh, Julio included, uh, if. If a movie starts, man, a quick way to hook me when I see the classic signatures, and this one starts off with that classic universal signature, and then an even quicker way to hook me is if you take the signature from the studio and turn it into something from the movie, and they do the signature, and then the world, the globe, turns into the Street
2: Fighter logo. I was at half mass just from this alone. I just, like, I felt safe. Everything in the world felt good when that Street Fighter, like mad pixelated logo came up I was just like everything's okay because you know they get it yes <laughs> like, uh, yeah you know they're, they're treating it with respect yeah like they're really you know they're digging into the source material and they're getting it
1: right and then real quick uh, Julio, Julio this on Hulu um I have the extreme edition blu-ray that I watched it on gentlemen how did you screen this
2: I had an extremely legal copy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe it was it was Blu-ray in origin. Um, okay. Yes, <laughs> that's all I'll say about it. <laughs> that's that's fine. Yeah, my. Uh- Criterion-level
1: transfer on this Blu-ray that I watched. I was very impressed with it. Uh, I have
0: to give props where props are due. It was Amazon Prime, not Hulu. Oh, okay, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a shame that this didn't get a Criterion release, I think. And and I think it's crying out for one, and I'm sure that it will get one in the future.
0: When they finally get around to the Raul Julia collection, I mean, this will be... <laughs> yeah. It has to be there. It's, it's the... The bookend.
1: An essay by Jean-Claude Van Damme of why it's deserving an inclusion.
2: <laughs> Talk about going out with a flex. Roll <laughs> Julia. If like if you get to pick what is the last feature you make, like has has is there a performance in history that combines a level of command of the screen with I could not be having more fun if I had scarface levels of coke up my nose than Roald Julia is having in this film man we'll we'll talk about Raul because he's got a couple
1: uh we like to refer to him here on the podcast Oscar scenes but uh, you're exactly right it's um the joy he is getting from d- being M. Bison is just absolutely palpable
0: <laughs> it's basically what his career had built up to it, It's all this time just kind of networking in the industry. Uh, His career,
1: nay, life, built to the moment of him saying, Game (laughs) over! So, yeah, let's just start with Raul Julia, the evil dictator, M. Bison, who has taken a bunch of uh, global hostages. Essentially, he wants to rule the world, as any mega boss typically does
0: sometimes you got to keep it simple
1: he uh he is asking for 20 billion dollars he's holding a bunch of people hostage and essentially if he doesn't get it in three days uh he will kill all the hostages i mean this is day one action movie stuff uh he has his bodyguard zangief who is played by uh, contrarian's favorite andrew Bryanarsky. Uh, Leatherface from the 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, On the other side of this coin, we have Jean-Claude Van Damme, who plays uh, Colonel Guile, who is the leader of the Allied forces and is here to save the day. All the while, we have Chun-Li, the journalist, who's here just to investigate the case. And, you know, if you're familiar with the game, you know who I'm talking about with all (coughs) these characters. If you're not, you're probably not going to catch up on this, so I apologize. But
0: it's pretty cool because the movie the filmmakers made sure that they call each other by name all the time so mm-hmm. that you never get lost. That's true. I mean, the game, the uh, especially the, the, specifically the one that uh, this one's based on, uh, the new challengers, that's 16 characters. And like we mentioned, they left one behind mm-hmm. here. But That's still 15 characters that this movie's servicing. And it manages to name check every single one of them. Yes. Right? I, I mean, they get all the bosses and, and all the other ones, right? Because you get Balrog, Vega, Sagat, Bison, and oh yeah then, so everybody everybody has a name. everybody pretty much gets into their their video game costume mm-hmm. and everybody has some sort of story going on even if it's just five minutes it, they they get something. So no matter who your favorite character was in the game, you'll walk out of this movie happy because they were they were there unless you were you know a failalon fan then you know <laughs> you I don't know what to tell you and the then they out. do
2: a they do a smart because they've got so many characters that as you've pointed out, they need to service. Everybody else in the background are the kind of classic, you know, Bond villain, faceless goons. In this film, they make them literally faceless goons, which is great. Why, like Why bother? We don't care who they are. We don't need them to have names. We don't need them to be identifiable. We've got a lot of people that we need to concentrate on here and who
0: we're thrilled to see finally up on a big screen. So it makes it a lot easier to connect with them. Uh, you know, it's just like, oh, it's just that mass of good people that I have to worry about and this mass of bad people that I don't care about. Exactly. If I die. Yes.
2: <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to have to think, you know, is is there a wife at home? Are there kids? It's a faceless goon. Have at them. Yeah. Random
1: task. <laughs> uh, <laughs> intertwined with this story of Bison and Guile is that of Ken and Ryu, which uh, an immediate, you know, as a, a a fan of the franchise and a nerd of the games. I mean, the immediate juxtaposition is that Guile is the lead, whereas in the games, you're all it's Ken and Ryu all the way, and in here, they're almost like secondary characters. So a very brave move on the the part of the writers and director of this.
0: It's pretty smart though because they are not they don't have the spotlight that Guile has, but I think they're the heart of the movie because mm-hmm. they really are the ones that go Ken especially. He's the one that goes through a change. He's the one that has the actual character arc in the movie. Even Guile, I mean, he doesn't really... Guile is just a square-jawed action Ken, hero. Ken, of course,
1: played by Brad Nelson, Judd Nelson's older brother.
0: <laughs> I can't tell if you're being serious. Uh, I am not being serious. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, but Ken... Uh, so, uh, Ken is also... You want to talk about Brave. They cast a guy that just looks like one of us. Yeah. Ryu, he gets to take his shirt off at some point, and he's he's ripped. Everybody else in the movie, they've been doing the workouts, but Ken, they Just got him dude. for the acting. Yeah, they didn't get him for for the physical prowess, and he still gets to land a few punches. But, uh, but yeah, they get they get the 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 arc of the story, the the heart, and Guile, on the other hand, I totally see that this in development. At first, some some mindless. Uh, uh, exec said, "Well, no, you have to get the American soldier to be the lead because in the game, Guile is an American soldier."
1: Yes, that and so <laughs> red blooded American, John Clon Van Dam.
0: <laughs> well, then they got they got the Sosa involved, and he was like, "Listen, this movie is about embracing the international market, so we'll make Guile the main character, but he'll be." From Belgium,
1: Bernie Sanders was actually a producer on this. He just used a pseudonym uh, because he was so in with the whole globalist socialist <laughs> concept. Of Does
2: it anyone else think that maybe the MCU owes this film a bit of kickback money? Because is it just me, or is or is Damian Chapa <laughs> like a total precursor to Sebastian Stan well, the yes. whole time? The whole time I'm watching the film, I'm like, this is definitely a better version of the Winter Soldier.
1: I didn't even think of the correlation there, but yeah, now that's gonna be unforeseeable. Uh, well, yeah, un- I can't unsee it. Type thing. Captain
0: Belgium has a <laughs> bromance with uh with Charlie, uh, which is great. Also, I mean, this is just this this was this one was just for for the hardcore video game nerds mm-hmm. because in the game, Guile is trying to avenge Charlie's death, but then also in the game. Blanca, the green monster, is a completely separate character. The genius. <laughs> they of just the combined the two. To just combine them.
1: I said, fuck it, we got to move this along. So uh, Ryu and Ken are basically just uh, recluses. And this is how we're introduced to Vega. We find out that he's a popular cage fighter in the city that they're in. And the the promoter of these cage fights is Sagat, played by a longtime actor and Academy Award winner. Uh, lost, I'm completely blanking on his name right now. Wes Studi? Yes, thank you very much. Um,
0: Topher here to keep this legit. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I had my notes mixed up there. But Wes Studi, you know, we talked a little bit about Raul Julia having fun. Wes Studi is here to play, and uh, he is taking (laughs) this. This was the role of his lifetime as far as he was
0: concerned. Yes, Julia's having a vacation.
2: (laughs) Everyone thought that his villain in Last of the Mohicans would be the peak villain of his career, but it's not.
0: Much like Julia. That was just a stepping stone to get to Street Fighter.
1: Julia showed up kind of in a tracksuit and a chain. And, you know, uh, Studi showed up with his working boots on. He was like, this is, he turned to Julia and said, welcome
2: to the fucking show.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was he was off book. He knew everybody's lines, not just his. That
2: scene we're talking about is some way ahead of its time, I would argue. There's the, This is the, the cage fighting scene. Because there's mm-hmm. stunning diversity in the cast in that scene, in a Hollywood th- that will then revert back to being an awful lot of white people. And there's also, they do a little kind of flip the script thing where it's all the women in the audience kind of ogling these yeah. guys in the cage, which again, ahead of its time.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, of uh, eye candy that services both genders. Yes. You know, when you like boobs, you like pecs, you get them all here.
1: Well, we haven't even mentioned yet the... Um- The Stallion, the smoke show that is Kylie Minogue. She, uh, of course, plays Cammie. She's basically uh, Colonel Giles' second. um, The woman behind a man. I mean, you want to talk about the unsung hero of this. I mean, it's fucking Kylie (laughs) Minogue. (laughs) and She's just like hanging out in the background this entire movie in camo. I mean, I don't know about you, Julio, but there was a lot of boxes checked. She has pigtails. (laughs) I mean, good Lord. We're, We're rocking and rolling. But then we have, yeah, homeboy who plays Vega, Jay tavari who um a travolta for a new era here
0: well and it's it's cool because in the game one of the 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 things that defines vega is that he's vain and he's gorgeous mm-hmm. right it and if i was the guy making this movie i'm like man how can i find the perfect casting for and they did they got a guy that's gorgeous
1: his I, uh, he can fight his like uh, you know, when you lose in the game and they talk shit to you, uh-huh. his horribly translated from Japanese to English line. And it's still in the, the cabinet that I have of it. It's like, I will never lose a handsome battle. It's just <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> but uh, moving the plot along here, the purpose of this meeting between Ryu and Ken and Sagat is basically an exchange of goods. And the Ryu and Ken are essentially black market arms dealers, and they're there to sell weaponry to Sagat. Sagat basically wises up to their plan and he figures out their toys and so now you know shit's about to hit the fan that's how you
0: know that you can root for them because they're not really selling actual (laughs) weapons yeah (laughs) they're just rascals as a
1: little kid it's like wait why are they selling weapons to this bad man oh they're toys it's all right uh the, the penance is that he's gonna make ryu fight vega right
0: yeah, th- yeah, he doesn't know, because Ryu is dressed in a suit, so he doesn't know that Ryu's actually a badass. He looks like a guy that will get his ass kicked.
1: Yes, and then, uh, so they're about to fight, and then uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Colonel Guile, breaks down the whole operation, comes in, and then with his first of approximately 74 <laughs> one-liners in the movie, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme gets out of this tank that he drives through the wall with and says, You're all under arrest, <laughs> threatening them with
2: not one, but two What sure looked to be ballistic missiles attached to his tank. (laughs) 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 It's like,
1: yeah, 40 uh, just localers gathered around and he had their pointed like point blank range (laughs) at their face clearly it would kill him <laughs> if he launched them but that's that's how seriously Cronenberg takes this shit I
2: mean the design of the weapons and the costumes and everything in this movie is so good like this is how you know that the 94 oscars were just a, a hunk of crap like forget the fact that you know pulp fiction and stuff didn't win anything it's it's the fact that this movie wasn't nominated for production design and costume design that you know the 94 oscars were just junk
0: at least right it is not a period piece so of course yeah. it doesn't qualify
2: and makeup also, because towards
1: the end, when Sagat gets his trademark scar oh, across his so uh, good. sternum,
0: or, or Dalsim loses his hand.
1: yeah, and then Blanca—I mean, you want to talk about putting in the effort?
0: Practical, practical. practical,
1: exactly. This isn't you know Mark
2: Ruffalo wearing a bunch of <laughs> yeah. mocap bubbles. This is the real yeah. deal. Action was just cooler. Like, like to not to be well, I was going to say not to be a total generational warrior, but here I go. <laughs> Action was just cooler. <laughs> When we had less tech. Yeah. It just was. Because you had to hit a guy. Yep. And they spent like three thirds of the budget on Jean-Claude Van Damme and had like no money left. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Everybody else uninsured. Please don't hurt yourselves.
1: (laughs) Not just that, the the action before the tech, kind of piggybacking on that. This is a note I have later down the line, but it's as good a time as any to jump into it. I found myself at so many shots in this movie saying, fuck yes, real sets. <laughs> they, You know, there's real sets for all of this that's going on. People were hired to build Bison's Fortress. It's not just, you know, stand in front of that blue wall or that green wall and act like there's a monster behind you.
0: That's a real elephant that shows up at some point <laughs> in the movie
1: it's at least a real animatronic <laughs> with Jim Carrey coming out the back and end of it and that's real
2: dna mutagen as well in those in those big bags <laughs> <laughs> that's those were incredible <laughs> they were the best thing i've ever seen they were fluoro and, and- <laughs> there's that great shot in the in his when bison's in his evil lair talking about how he just wants to make the world better because like any great villain he's the hero of his own story and he believes he's right he believes he's right and there's that that quite long Shot. It's a bit of a filmmaking flex of him walking behind the model. He has to stop on certain cues so that he's got line of sight to the cameras. He explains to everyone why he's right with this glint of madness slash Scarface levels of cocaine in his eyes. And I just, I'm going to keep coming back to Julia because- it's the it's it's the greatest. Yeah, it's and just the greatest. It is really well shot. Like it's a shame that Deacons was unavailable because he was working with the cones at the time and had to turn this down. Because I know that he was actually really looking forward to working on this project, and I believe he gave the cinematographer some really good notes.
0: <laughs> yeah, but see, that, that's I'm actually glad because Deacons would have just made it look like everything else. It's like okay, I get it. He would
2: have gone too flashy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Probably wanted to do all in one take. Uh, no, this at least here, you, you they gave the shot to somebody else. And, and, you know, maybe they didn't get any award recognition, but they go to bed every night knowing that (laughs) they shot Street Fighter.
1: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, as previously mentioned, Dalsim is under the rule of Bison. It's essentially, you know, um, uh, Walter White. He's there. He has to work. He has to do this. He has to make the product. And the product in this case is Blanca, who's a former soldier and friend of uh, Colonel Guile. Essentially, he's just... You know, uh, Clockwork Orange style. He's just got this dude. He's pumping him full of chemicals and making him watch all these horrible visuals over and over again, including, and we see it as the audience, a real-life uh, footage of a guy getting shot in the head. It's its pretty traumatic, and I can only imagine what Charlie's going through it, watching all this. It's
0: a dark side of going practical, Alex.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, on, the, uh, on the other side of this, back with... Uh, Ken and Ryu, after they've been imprisoned by Guile, he attempts to recruit them to help. They initially revoke his offer. They're going to be transferred along with Vega and Sagat to another, uh, holding another prison, more uh, presumably more maximum security type facility.
0: Yeah, because this one's pretty chill. The one that they're at.
1: Yeah, just, they're just like hanging out. There's open windows. There's, you know, um, the gate comes open at one point and Sagat's like, I'll get it. And then closes it. Yeah. Uh, so they form an escape plan though, and on the way out, Ken of all people actually shoots Colonel Guile, and we get like, uh, I don't know if this was intentional, but I loved it because uh, JCVD falls in slow mo like a character does when they get beaten in Street Fighter, and does uh-huh. the,
0: ah, ah,
2: it.
1: Ah. Yeah, it's a good nod, isn't it?
0: It has to be intentional. There's no way that it was not intentional. Everything in this movie is by design.
1: As uh, y'all had previously mentioned, this lends itself to uh, the Julia. Oscar clip of him walking around his, you know, war room, talking about Blanca will be the first of many super soldiers with the entire goal of bringing peace to the world. And I can't remember verbatim, but he does do the, and I will do this not for evil, (laughs) but for good.
2: He lets those lines hang there just the, just long enough before moving on, just just soaking up the scenery like a total boss.
0: There is a uh, this. You know Doug Benson, uh, mm-hmm. Alex. I don't know if you guys know him in, in Australia. He's a comedian, mostly known for uh, just being high a lot. Yep. But he has a podcast called Doug Loves Movies, I think. And uh, he had a segment a few times where uh, he would read a quote, and you had to guess if it was uh, said by Abraham Lincoln or Bane from uh, Dark Knight Rises. And uh, as I was listening to and Bison's speeches here, I was like, that's like the... Who said it, Bison or Trump? Because he goes insane, but it, in a way, I can totally see that if he's talking to the right audience, he's saying all the right things. He's yeah. super charismatic. And then if you're on the other side of the political spectrum, he's a madman.
1: That's all that's missing from Trump is him wearing that fucking red cape, just walking out on stage. Just that, That's a really good...
0: He, he survives the impeachment and goes, game over. <laughs>
1: The difference is Trump is nowhere near as intelligent as M. Bison to put forth such solutions. Do we see
2: Bison from behind? Do we know that his cape doesn't have make Bisonopolis great again on it? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Chun-Li, uh, back to her, her character and that she's the uh, journalist that she's been trying to cover this whole conflict, this civil war as it's referred to repeatedly. Um. Bison and his tech people have been able to completely fuck with their signal, so she's been able to get no news out. You know, uh, again, another Trump <laughs> yes. parallel. I think you're onto something here. Uh, so she's trying to investigate it to, to the bottom of things. Eventually, she stumbles across Jean-Claude Van Damme's body, his cadaver, pretty much. And he wakes up, and he has another one-liner of, "If I wasn't going to give you my interview alive." I'm sure not going to give it to you when I'm dead. And so this how is many how... many of
0: these lines do you think that uh, JCVD just improv, like, on the day?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, like, in between takes, he took a big bump and then just went <laughs> to the director. It's like, what if I said this? Uh, but we find out through all this, this was uh, a plan, uh, a ruse, that Guile would, would be killed to give Bison, you know, a uh, uh, certain sense of comfort. And also that Ken and Ryu were in on it. Um,
0: just so they can infiltrate uh, Bison's stronghold by becoming showing up as allies of Sagat.
1: Yeah. Sagat, of course, not being in on it, meets with Bison later that night uh, to sell him weapons and basically try to help Bison build the proverbial army and the, the cachet that he needs for it and it's like the bo- most baller move ever ral julia pays sagat with money with his face on it and he's like these are bison dollars soon they will be worth one bison dollar will be worth five british pounds the, the guy's got
2: conviction doesn't he
0: <laughs> just like mic drop right there And he's like, he's so,
1: he becomes terrifying at this point because you realize he's insane because he sees no, he sees no problem with what he's doing.
0: Right, we thought that he was putting on a show just for his his underlings, but no, he really is. He genuinely
2: thinks that these dollars are worth anything. It's it's like reward dollars when you work somewhere and they're like, oh, you know, have some have some uh, you know donut bucks or something. They don't mean any. Everyone knows it means nothing.
0: You can use them on the crane at H E B. H E bucks.
2: (laughs) The money looks awesome though. I would
1: absolutely like when I was in Canada uh, over the summer for the first time. Like their money's so cool. I would spend bison dollars. I would be. So, like, that would. I would like. I use my debit card more than anything, but I would always have a fat stack of cash if they look. If it was just Raul Julia outlined in red looking back at me.
0: Just going to the strip club. Yeah. <laughs> Make it, it, it rain, Bison Bucks. <laughs> Making it rain, Raul.
1: I'm using this money not for evil, but for good. Uh, so. At this meeting with Bison and Sagat, the whole gang's there. Ken and Ryu are um, basically there as undercover agents, so to speak. They're trying to figure out um, how they can help Guile, but also Balrog, I Honda, and Chun-Li have disguised themselves as the entertainment for the night. they still thinking that Ken and Ryu are in on it. Uh, Ken, of course, being the very horny, very misogynistic American, uh, he is lured very easily by Chun-Li. They are able to apprehend him quickly and then Ryu as well, trying to extort, uh, not extort, but extract information from them. We get, um, I think the comedy is the most underrated portion or uh, aspect of this movie, I should say. And um, after they're taken hostage, they're kind of introducing themselves to Ryu and Ken. Uh, Honda explains that he was a sumo wrestler. And I do like the little, uh, they did their research because (laughs) Ryu says, you almost made Yokozuna, which is the highest rank and then he says something about, yeah, that was before M. Bison destroyed my reputation.
0: They uh, read the bios on the on the video game booklet.
1: They read the Wikipedia summation of each character. Uh, Balrog introduces himself as a former boxer. And then Ken points at uh, Chun-Li and says, let me guess, figure skater.
0: Potentially racist, <laughs> but still I
1: laughed at the line.
0: It's funny because anybody that knows the game knows that it's so far from the truth. And I, I really like... You know, it, it was, was just... it was a
1: joke written with intelligence. <laughs> yes. they, they were playing for the high seats on that <laughs> so one. So
0: many layers. Uh, yeah, they're like old <laughs> Julia. They're playing for the for the cheap seats. They're going <laughs> forward. Uh, no, I really like that. The something else that's underrated here is that there's a lot of fan service in this oh, yeah. movie, but unlike the fan service that we have to deal with today, the fan service doesn't drive the plot. You know, all the all the little Easter eggs are just in the background. You know, and, and if you're not uh, a fan of the game, you can still enjoy the movie without being hammered and feeling like this was not made for you. Mm-hmm. It's
2: also it's also really clever in that it also um, it's different enough from the game that fans of the game still feel like there's something new here. It's not like we're just watching the same thing again. It subverts your expectations a little bit, which is really smart, I think. Well,
0: yeah, it, it's it actually turns the the concept of the game in its head because. The game is basically a fighting tournament where every man is for himself or herself. You know, all, all, every fighter only cares about beating everybody else and becoming the champion. And the movie is actually about working together. The entire point uh, of, uh, of fighting against Bison is that they can only defeat Bison if they join forces. There's a point in the movie where Bison literally tells them, you would have gotten me if you had worked together.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, it's these relationships that are built. It's kind of like a dream uh, for the fans of the game, just being like, "Oh, what if these characters like teamed up and interacted with one another in this what way?" What
0: if they had like, what if they were in the, in the story that was more interesting than just a boring fighting <laughs> tournament?
1: So the plan here from Chun-Li is that she's finally got together Bison's uh, crew, Sagat's there as well. So tried and true of sending a, a a truck full of explosives to try to just take care of the whole situation. Unfortunately, in an act of hubris, she broadcasts what she's doing, giving them time to escape. And She's uh, a journalist.
0: <laughs> can't help herself. She has
1: a flair for the dramatic. Ehanda uh, said, why don't we just send it down there without telling him it's coming? And she said, there's no theater in that. <laughs> um, as the truck's coming down, it's being broadcast. And we get the first of many uh, Andrew Bryanarski lines of just sheer stupidity where it's he tells them to change the channel because essentially that would make the outcome different. <laughs> As a fan of pro wrestling, and of course being the fact that Zangief's backstory is that he was a Russian pro wrestler... I cannot applaud them enough for making him just this big jacked up idiot. That's to me what a pro wrestler should be, both on and off screen. Just a stupid muscle guy that you can tell what to do, and that's exactly how he's portrayed here. And I, and I, I gotta say, I respect
2: it.
0: And they give him a sympathetic turn at the end, so it's not even completely. Because <laughs> he doesn't insulting. even realize
2: what he's doing's wrong. <laughs> yeah. What he's like the um the cave troll. In Fellowship of the Ring, you can tell that you can tell that he's not a bad guy. He's just got bad friends. You know, he's, he's, he's lumbering around he's pretty dim. And under, under better circumstances, this guy's life turns out pretty good. But because of the kind of shit blokes he hangs out with, this is what happened. It's not on him. He's not even getting paid. He's yeah. not even getting paid. He just wants some friends. That's all he wants. He just wants love.
1: So because they had the temerity and hubris to broadcast this, Bison and his crew easily escape and are also able to apprehend the whole crew. They still think uh, Ken and Ryu are on their side, but they take Chun-Li, Ihanda, and Balrog hostage. Um, Balrog and Ihanda being chained up and whipped by one of... You know, Bison's henchman. One uh, of
0: those blurs. Yes. The,
1: the blurry face henchman. It's a pretty intense scene, but Ihanda, through the discipline of sumo, is able to block out the pain uh, mentally and not react to this whipping that he's been given. The The highlight of this scene, as I told Julio before we started recording, is a joke that naturally flew way over my head as a kid, but I lost my shit this time. When Balrog realizes he can just break free, he asks Ihanda, hey, give me a hand. And he says, we've been in prison for two hours. Ask me again in a month.
0: <laughs> that was for the parents. <laughs> All the parents that had not played the game, but were there with their kids.
1: Yeah, that that was the point where the dads that were bored as shit perked up. And, <laughs> 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 this segues into, uh, I don't think I'm telling tales at recess here, Jean-Claude Van Damme's Oscar scene in which he's getting ready. You know, He's already planned out that they're going to do this by boat. They're going to attack Bison going down the uh, channels of, what's the name of the... Chadelou? Chadelou, yes, sir, the province they're in. And so they're getting ready to ship out and take off when the, uh, I don't know if he's like the Secretary of Defense or whoever, Simon it's, Callow, who...
0: It's the guy from Aventura. Yes, too, everything
1: right? he's done is, oh, I, oh this, is, uh, <laughs> this besmirches me. And he shows up and he tells them, we're prepared to negotiate. <laughs> and JCVD just looks at him like, what's wrong with you? He's like, we're not we're not giving up. And then so he goes and gives the iconic speech, which I uh, I watched this by myself. I was able to recite most of it aloud from memory.
2: <laughs> Good for you.
0: <laughs> I am so impressed.
2: Because like this is this is before Independence Day. Yes. This is that's exactly this <laughs> is the template from which <laughs> <laughs> independence this is the playbook that Independence Day was reading from when it comes to the speech to inspire the troops. Oh, even I I would I would say Braveheart stole from this easily. (laughs) This this template has gone on for generations. This will be used until the end of time. People will look back and say, look, in screenwriting classes they'll say, look at Street Fighter guys.
0: (laughs) But also in the real world, like it it just eventually it was boiled down to we do not negotiate with terrorists.
1: Yes. What what would be the most pretentious way to refer to Jean Claude Van Damme? Would just call him Jean. I'm just trying to I'm, I'm just trying to think of a professor. Note Jean's delivery at this moment. Uh, but yeah, he's he's told that he should go tell the troops go fucking home because you know we're gonna pay him. And I love how he just like motherfucks the Secretary of Defense or whatever. He's like, what's to stop him from asking for fifty billion? And then he pushes him one hundred billion. But he gets up and he tells everyone, you know. Uh, we, You guys can all go home, uh, and all the people that died here would be for nothing, uh, but not me. I'm going to get in my boat, and I'm going to go. And I'm going to kick that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard. The next bison wannabe is going to feel it. And the only thing that's missing from this, you know, the troops react and they, they throw their guns in the air. We need the one minority character that salutes him. That's the only thing that's missing. From
2: this and he moment. can just get in his boat because it's already got his name on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was the 90s. The, uh, Hollywood did not feel the need to just hammer how woke they are. You know, they didn't need to pander really hard. They already have an international cast. There's minorities all over this movie. You do not need to insert a minority saluting Van Damme because the minority is already there everywhere.
1: And then Simon, well, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> and I forget, what, but it's another JCV one-liner of like... Uh, you just fired me. Yeah, yeah I just I'd got love to motivated. help you, but some
2: asshole just laid me off or something. Because again, ahead know. of its time, it's the rich white guy that is completely out of touch with what should be happening right now, which is that Jean-Claude needs to go and kick the shit out of Bison. Absolutely the way to go. Um, we go back to Bison's lair where
1: he's taken Chun-Li uh, as his personal hostage. They're in his boudoir. And, <laughs> I mean... Uh,
0: They've been kind enough to provide her with uh, one of her costumes from the game.
1: Yes, the, it's the um, secondary costume. Right. Like, if you're, you're doing a mirror match, the red is the secondary Um totally just up in my sexiness on this podcast i know um so there's this amazing dichotomy of her explaining how bison invaded her village and killed her dad and how she became a journalist to study and get closer to one day seeing bison and killing him While this is going on, Bison is undressing and putting on his, like, Hugh Hefner robe and pouring drinks and just not paying attention to anything she says.
0: Dimming the lights, putting on romantic music.
1: And she's just, like, seems to be completely unaware of what is going on. And then he has the amazing bad guy line of, like, I don't remember that. (laughs) It's like, while Bison invading your village was the most important thing that ever happened in your life, that was just Tuesday for me.
0: That is just... (laughs) Another (laughs) mic drop. You know, you're not supposed to root for the bad guy, but you're supposed to think he's awesome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And not that I didn't think that he wasn't awesome before this, but at this point, I was just like, if he won... I wouldn't be too sad. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's very real, raw screenwriting. You know, like people have spoken a lot about like marriage story this year. I think this this is a good representation of like a married couple. Because like I think of like the end of the day when my wife is telling me about her day and I'm, you know, undressing, trying to get in my sexy clothes. She's not noticing. I'm not listening. It's very real, I think. <laughs>
0: For Billy, it's just Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. As you yeah.
2: swirl your day glow green cocktail that you've... <laughs> he makes something elaborate. It's got, like, a skewer yeah. and a I orange was like, slice you just, in it. I did mean, you accidentally get the growth hormones from the yeah. lab? <laughs> he made an apple teeny out of DNA mutagen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, the, like, like, you were saying, his delivery here, I just imagine when they called cut, he, like, started tearing up and, like... <laughs> Ralph fucking <laughs> Julia. <laughs> uh, but this, of course, incites Chun-Li, and she breaks free of her shackles, flies across the room with not the first, but one of many flying sidekicks in the movie. Um, Bison, though, pretty much he she gets a few shots in on her, but... Um, He's able to fend it off, and then, if I remember correctly, this is when the rest of the cast is able to right. come in. So
0: the implication is that maybe she would have been able to overtake mm-hmm. Bison if they hadn't ruined. <laughs> and then they, <laughs> they all come time. in
1: trying to rescue her, and then he hits his little you know um, button that, <laughs> that releases gas into the room. And the way you know it's gas is because E Honda goes, "Gas! It's gas!" <laughs> And they all go down in a heap, and I guess M Bison's immune to whatever he sprayed in the room.
0: Oh, I thought he put himself under a. Uh, oh uh, yeah, he goes. Yeah, he's in the
2: the Bison
1: escape. He hat. goes into the the Pope Mobile. <laughs> yes, and it shows DJ driving him back through the the uh, compound. But yeah, we do get the, if I remember correctly, an amazing evil laugh from <laughs> Raul Julia as it fades to the next scene.
0: Probably put that in the trailer.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, we check back in with Blanca. Dalsim is, at this point, kind of tried to hide what he's doing from the guard that's around him. And now he's piping in. He's
0: counterprogramming. programming. Uh, yeah,
1: he's trying to balance him back out. So he's showing them, you know, Wizard of Oz. It's a wonderful life. Martin Luther King big, speech. Yeah, Martin Luther King speeches. And I, I hate to... I, I respect his will and what he's trying to do. <laughs> but... At this point, he's already turned green and has orange <laughs> hair, so I don't think there's really too much that can be done.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, but I, I really—he is. They'll seem as like a, a, the soldier in Saving Private Ryan, the one that can't, that ends up being ineffective, right? It's him? Yeah, he's like. Fuck,
1: I remember that guy's name because that's like <laughs> I wanted that guy to die so bad watching that movie.
0: But but you would be that guy. Yeah, if you know, at the same thing. We would be, they If we were in that situation, we're not the action heroes. We're not the guys who are going to be, like, kicking ass, taking names. No, we'd be the ones that would be too terrified to do much more than maybe change the DVD, <laughs> the programming for Blanca. So you can relate to that.
1: It's true. Back on the main vessel, or the, the main plot, Bison has become aware that the boat attack has commenced. JCBD and his crew coming in with their... Uh, they have, like, the stealth camo around their boats in that amazingly 90s. Uh, like, this is where all the budget for the tech went, was that shot of, like, you know, the... It's like how the Predator looks when it goes invisible in the first Predator movie. That's how the boats look here. Uh, but Bison becomes self-aware. He goes to his uh, control deck, which is just, like, a Sanwa controller from an arcade cabinet. It's, it's amazing. Genius. It's beautiful. It is
2: just genius. Did they just literally insert a video game into this film based on a video game. <laughs> It's high level.
0: Do you think this is the point? This is the point where anybody who didn't know that this was based on a video game—that's when. <laughs> yeah. Clicked for the- now, Bison has to play <laughs> Battleship. Oh. <laughs>
1: There's the one guy, like uh, the really daft guy, that turns to his girlfriend in the theater. Wait, is this like the Street Fighter game in the arcade?
2: <laughs> I I had someone turn to me back in the '90s. I had someone turn to me. About two hours into Saving Private Ryan, getting back to that film and say, so so this film's set in a war. <laughs> like, uh, yeah.
0: yeah, it is. Uh, Are they Saving Private Ryan from the Germans?
1: My favorite part of the, his control deck is, um, you know, with all those old school arcade games, there would always be a graphic overlay on it. It's just a map of the world. Yep. And it's not really... I, like, there's no corresponding buttons that, like, if you press here, it's going to, you know, bomb Africa. It's just an overlay. Of, I guess that's what... He, he looks at that and realizes what he's working <laughs> for, and it's domination of all that.
2: It makes you wonder just how many Gatling guns on tripods this guy has set up around the entire <laughs> world. Not just not just the kind of apocalypse now river that leads to the lair. the The world. It's
1: the... The Southland Tales, he's just got gunners positioned at random points of all major cities. Uh, But yeah, he has, as any awesome bad guy does, he has uh, bombs in the water that have his logo on it. And so that's what he's using the control deck for to deploy him. One goes off, and we think it uh, blows up the ship, which prompts the incredible delivery of the aforementioned line of "Game <laughs> Over."
2: Yeah, iconic, uh, iconic uh, stuff.
0: Yeah. First day of shooting. That's how, that's how he started. Yes. he was that high. <laughs>
2: he started an eleven. And he got to a fifteen real quick. <laughs>
1: uh, Guile JCBD survives this. We're not entirely sure how, but he shows up and is there to save the day, thinking he's still dead. Bison's moving along with his plan. This is another scene that's ahead of his time, is he, uh, before he moves forward to kill the hostages, he asks DJ, have they put the money, the Allied forces put the money in my account yet? Way before the times of online <laughs> banking, DJ pulls up like a DOS prompt, and it just says, balance, zero dollars and zero cents. And he just turns and goes, hell no. <laughs> um, I mean... I just love how easily accessible M Bison's bank account is. When you well, have that much swagger, I guess you just need to be able to show it off at a moment's
0: notice. He gave permission to uh, to DJ. It's not like anybody else. He's can just power like- It's not like yeah. It's not.
2: It's not running a bit low. It's not like there's twenty seven dollars and sixty cents in there. There's nothing. <laughs> and out of an act of
1: frustration, he's like, "Well, fuck it. Now I just have to kill all these people." Uh, Guile breaks into the base. He is immediately apprehended and choked by Blanca. And, you know, you would think Giles had a pretty rough go of it on this day. His wits are still so sharp that he's immediately able to recognize Blanca on sight as his friend Charlie.
0: The eyes. It's all in the eyes.
1: Despite this horribly deformed, grotesque,
2: albeit practical, figure in front of him. They both loved Martin Luther King Jr. quotes. <laughs> uh,
0: this is the probably the, the most hardcore sequence in the movie
1: did not remember this and I was like holy shit I, I
0: agree I, I it hit me like a jackhammer because it, this
1: is the best picture clip
0: yeah it, no shit. it's been fun and games and now suddenly he's about to execute his best friend he's it, it's euthanasia sort of
1: I will help you I will help you and move
0: on to the other side
1: yeah and then he just like I, I couldn't remember what happened and then he just picks his gun up and just and I was like oh my god and then right before he pulls the trigger, cool as a cucumber sailing on the Antarctic, Dalsim comes in. No. Doesn't
2: get The world the- needs laughter. That guy is one of the great, like, I mean, you said cool as a cucumber. He is one of the great chill explainers in film history. Because also, in, like, in Temple of Doom, like, yes. he, I, he's a bad, he's a bad egg. But when he says it in those tones that really they're on the side of the angels in that temple of doom um i mean you kind of want to believe him
0: (laughs) he has he has a nice face
2: he does have a very agreeable face
0: yeah that's why he got so far on uh bison's development of mutant warriors he was he may not have been the most capable or the most ruthless but he was the one everybody got along (laughs) with so he just like kept moving forward uh i think his argument is that he has given blanca enough enough input of you know right and wrong to where he deserves to live and make his own choices. He doesn't deserve to just for his life to be cut short just because he's a monster. Now
1: that's right. He's Nobody like,
0: asks Charlie how he feels about this.
1: Yeah, yeah. He says like basically, l- let me have him and then I'll rehabilitate him back and everything will be fine, type thing.
0: Um, but, what I loved about that most was actually the spin-off
1: this. was it was going to be Blanca and Dalsim.
0: traveling the world, but then that money went and made the English patient instead. <laughs> Um, what I love the most about the Blanca subplot is that it's a quick switcheroo, a bait and switch from the filmmakers. Because you think that Blanca is going to be a key element in the final battle, you know, you, yeah. you, it, it's like you don't introduce a gun in the first act if it's not gonna go off in the third act. And here, you do not introduce a genetically mutated uh, super soldier monster if you're not gonna let that super soldier monster just go off in the third act and just wreak <laughs> havoc, but it doesn't happen because he Subverts chooses your expectations. Yeah. Well, he chooses the, the path of uh, enlightenment. Yeah. He refuses violence in the end and just goes off with Dalcim
1: meditation, the power <laughs> of it. So with Blanca being freed him and Dalcim on their way out uh, at this point, Bison calls for his new super soldier to be, uh, you know, debuted unleashed to eradicate these hostages. So we get this awesome, uh, very much pro wrestler-esque entrance where this pod comes up from the ground and opens up, steam shoots out, and, you know, is ready to unveil. JCVD comes out with the most energetic, (laughs) longest, you know, world record setting flying sidekick you've ever seen. You thought you were getting the super
2: soldier. Here's the universal soldier. (laughs) Fucking Boom.
0: (laughs) That, that kick takes so long to land that it gives the movie time to get reaction shots from everybody. Chun-Li, get- Ken and Ryan, Bison. Oh, yeah,
1: because Chun-Li's like, yes! yeah. And then we get the... Uh, what is it? Uh, Tim Robbins and Green Lantern.
3: Ah!
1: <laughs> <laughs> the reaction shot of, no! Um, so, him and Bison start fighting. It's just all-out chaos. Pandemonium at this point. Everyone's fighting. Everybody. Um, I mean, they kind of pair off eventually, and then the big Side fight is uh Ihanda and Zangiefs just going yeah. healthier. I mean, leather. you
0: get you get what all gamers were waiting for, right? You get the one on ones, mm-hmm. uh, that you've been sort of teased throughout mm-hmm. the movie. Uh, Vega and Ryu almost get into it twice. Well, then they laid the
1: groundwork this. for future generations of Street Fighter where you have like duos fighting each other, right? With yeah, Ken yeah, and yeah, Ryu yeah. against um, this Act is teams. totally to
2: the film's credit, I think, because the movie we know what it's based on. It's based on this game where the only thing you do. Is fight. So you would think you're in for 90 minutes to two hours of just people fighting, but the movie actually holds that back every time. Even in the cage match, they're only just starting to get into it yep. when Jean Claude comes bombing through a wall in a tank and doesn't quite, even though you want the fight, it holds it back, which is actually far more satisfying when we get to this point in the film and finally it's on.
0: It's all the pleasure delaying pays off.
2: And that's
1: the, yeah, it's, uh, it's, on is the best way of putting it because it's just <laughs> everyone going for it uh so just chaos fighting uh eventually we get this incredible self-deprecating moment uh, a very self-aware comedic shot of jean-claude van damme facing off with bison's army he pulls out this pocket knife and the army starts backing off and he gets this shit-eating grin on his face thinking you know he's the baddest motherfucker on earth and then the camera pans out and you see that like he has an army behind him you wouldn't think this would be the right time to play, like, something for that much laughs, but my God, it works. That pan out shot is just fantastic.
0: It's all on Van Damme's performance. Yes. I mean, if without that performance, that doesn't work.
1: And Kali Minogue's threatening pigtails. Well, that uh, too. Yeah, for whatever reason, the one line I always, the two lines I should say I retained from a little, being a little kid was change the channel. And then when there's the caddy moment with her and Chun-Li, it says, pigtails, look who's talking. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're like, women, <laughs> am I right?
1: <laughs> you have to respect that the movie fought against, you know, all its instincts to have any belittling <laughs> moment against the female gender until the last 90 <laughs> seconds of the movie. Uh, e. Honda and Zangief eventually brawl into the war room of um, Bison, where he had basically his model of what Bison Topia is going to look like. And this scene is much like in Wayne's World Two, where they do like five minutes of build just to the joke of them all being dressed up like the village people and dancing to YMCA, and that it all works and the stars align to where a group of Asian people see this on a television monitor, and then it begins playing sound effects from Godzilla.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's so. I always think of a Arrested Development when I see something like that because I have an episode where something like that happens. There's like a model home and. Uh, one of the characters is dressed, I think, as Godzilla or as Dragon, the other one is dressed as a robot or something, and there's like they're fighting on home, And it, it, that's the kind of thing that seems like a cheap joke, unless you realize that they've been laying the groundwork for it oh, yeah. for a while. Yep. So. It doesn't come
2: out of nowhere. <laughs> My mind absolutely went to that Arrested Development <laughs> scene as well. <laughs> again, again, groundwork from Street Fighter. Yep.
1: Bison and Guile continue their fight. Eventually, Bison's given powers by being kicked onto a, an electrical panel of some sort. And he's able to shoot basically electricity from his fists.
2: He goes full Palpatine on him. That's <laughs> incredible. Yeah,
0: he does. It's as closest <laughs> that. He comes movie. back somehow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the dead speak <laughs> that's right in the in the long awaited sequel it's actually about <laughs> Raul julia's granddaughter <laughs> uh
0: I, I this is the closest the movie gets to dealing with the supernatural i guess mm-hmm. right uh because in the game i mean they're shooting plasma at each other and they have you know fire fists and all that stuff the movie we is grounded in reality with
1: one hadouken it's not really celebrated or drawn attention right to. you
0: know you it's blinking and you miss it uh yeah. And and here, Bison gets the boots that make him fly, so he can do uh, uh, some of his moves from the game. But that's really, I, I appreciate it. they they wait until the climax to do this because I think the movie is better off uh, being set in the real world. Where yes. it's. I understand that you have to go all supernatural with all the the sparkly lights and everything when it's a game where it's just about fighting. But here, there's enough story to where you don't need to complicate by adding you know midi <laughs> or whatever. It's, it's just. It's just real brawls with real fists.
1: Bison and Guile eventually, you know, there can only be one. And Jean-Claude Van Damme lands a spinning kick that uh, is able to knock him back into his big bevy of television monitors. And it's one of those classic 90s uh, martial arts where you get
2: the same kick but from four different angles. Was that in his contract? Because that's at the end of is it blood sport or kickboxer that's I mean like the exact same shot is in? Uh probably both. both of them. I know in Bloodsport. I'm gonna yeah. say
0: kickboxer okay. definitely has it.
2: Yeah. And
1: um he's able to get off another one-liner as because like all the TVs go down and he's like, Bison, you're off the air, and then you know, runs out. <laughs> uh, while all this is going on, like the last comedic payoffs are DJ steals um Bison's safe, his his loot. He's like, I, he calls it his severance pay. Him and Sagat escape together. I guess they're going to split this loot. Um, Zangief, this is where the he asks DJ, like, why are you running? Why are you stealing? He's like, you know, this guy's bad. We got to get out of here. He's like, well, why did you work for him? He's like, he paid me. You got paid? And then Zangief immediately, like, the switch flips in his head. He becomes a good guy. Helps. What's uh, the
0: opposite of a heel turn? A face turn. A face turn? Yes. <laughs> okay. So
1: he uh, helps Ryu and Ken and everyone else escape. Dalzim and Blanca go off on their own side quest. Unfortunately, we were never able to catch back up with them. Um, the whole facility blows up as they've rigged it to. Guile gets out. Uh, the last moment of, um, I guess, good karma would be the the word to describe Sagat and DJ open up this loot that they've taken, and it's all bison bucks. So paying off what we were introduced perfect
0: to. Perfect payoff to a perfect setup, which thought it was a one-off joke. And, and West uh,
1: Studi, <laughs> of course, just starts laughing and throwing him in the air.
0: That's the most endearing, I think, moment in the entire movie. Because this guy's a bad guy, and he's never done anything even remotely sympathetic in the movie. And he actually hasn't even shown any sort of sense of humor about mm-hmm. what's going on. But in this moment, I just loved him. <laughs> he just he took that loss, and he just he knew that there was nothing to do about it but laugh.
2: That's the magic of the Bison Fun Bucks. Yeah.
0: Do you think that they used that clip when they did, gave him the uh, the honorary Oscar? That that was the last thing <laughs> in his his reel.
1: It just like stopped and froze on him with the bucks in the air, and then <laughs> faded to black. The big smile, ladies and gentlemen, to induct <laughs> West Studi, Christian Bale.
0: Uh, I like that uh, for maybe 30 seconds, everybody thinks that Guile died in the explosion. Uh-huh. He didn't come out, and they're all freaking out. And uh, then when he comes out, Kami tries to make it... Kali Minogue you know, makes it like she's not crying. Yeah. And and then Chun-Li is all like, hey, can we have like an interview? And the sexual tension between everybody in that group, it, it's just... I mean, it's going on from the very beginning. It's mm-hmm. just like everybody wants to fuck Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh yeah. There's including Raul Julia. I mean that's but you don't really it doesn't really come to a head ever. And the closest you get is at the very end when he finally chooses, he's like in the bachelor. He, <laughs> he chooses Chun li Yeah
2: he chooses Chun li Hands out some roses. Yeah. <laughs> but like yeah there's shade between them there's shades of the um the energy between Bond and Silver in Skyfall, I think, where you know under different circumstances, maybe Maybe this goes a different direction. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because even Zangief's like, he was a great man. Yep. Um, and then before the the end end, something me and my friend Zach in college always replicated as a joke, uh, where Zangief... And guy will have like the knowing nod and like, everything's going to be okay. And then he throws the bison thumb to the side. And then Jean-Claude Van Damme grabs his hand and turns it up (laughs) into a thumbs up. I mean, God, what, a just the, the last action hero is Jean-Claude Van Damme. And then the final bomb goes off. It knocks over the entire, um, bison fortress. And then they all just look at it and they go, yeah. And then they all strike the poses, of the characters from the game when they win.
0: Which is crazy because it's not even the poses of the of them when they win. It's the pose of if you if you beat the game without without losing, then you got that final shot where they're all together. Okay. In in that post. Oh okay. And uh even furthermore, if you win that game without losing a single round, uh the last thing you hear Kylie is,
1: Minogue comes and fucks you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Close enough. You hear Chun Li laughing, okay. which is the last thing you hear uh, here before the, the credits roll. Uh, so the attention to detail to throw that kind of stuff for because even the gamers that were there, it's not like you know I would imagine ninety percent of them were not that good to uh, to have beaten yeah. the game without losing a single round
2: and there weren't just youtube clips of people doing this stuff in 94
0: oh no yeah. this is back then you had to rely on what nintendo power that's a good cut
1: <laughs> i wonder how many shots that took because like a couple of them have to be airborne to get it right right
0: chun lee is jumping like, and like both airs it air. has
1: nothing to do with anything that the previous 95 minutes have conditioned you for but who cares because it's awesome and then it says street
0: fighter that's basically the tagline for this movie. Who cares? Because it's awesome.
1: <laughs> and then uh, for Raul, uh, Vaya con Dios.
0: Bringing us down. <laughs> for real.
1: <laughs> Making you realize the gravity of the situation.
0: Yeah. A really sobering thought at the very end. It's like, he might have died for real. <laughs> he and died in the movie and now it's just he's gone.
1: After the credits, Samuel L. Jackson comes in and says, you think you're the only street fighter? <laughs> <laughs> alright we have been as facetious uh, as we could possibly be about this movie so I think uh, here in this room and definitely I can sense the tension in that room we have some real thoughts to share on this so we'll move to (laughs) real talk but why why do they still call me a warlord and
0: mad all I want to do ...is to create the perfect genetic soldier. Not for power, not for evil, but for good. Carlos Blanca will be the first of many. They shall march out of my laboratory and sweep away every adversary, every creed, every nation... ...until the very planet is in the loving grip of
2: the packs by Sonica. And then peace will reign
0: in the world, and all humanity shall bow to me in
2: humble gratitude.
0: All right, we are recording real talk for Street Fighter. Street
1: Fighter, the Christmas summer blockbuster. Okay, so
0: was it a blockbuster?
1: Uh, I said Christmas summer blockbuster. I <laughs> meant to say Christmas season blockbuster. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, released on December 23rd of 1994. I was there in the theater. I was telling a uh, gentleman, I was telling Julio before we started recording. I couldn't find it before we recorded, but I have somewhere with all my comics and stuff. Um a trading card that is the poster of the movie. And it has an embossed gold foil stamp on it that says opening day. They gave them out with every ticket that was bought. My dad took me to this on the opening day of it. Um, so before we get too far, I fully concede a lot of this is sentimental (laughs) attachment. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah. Um, it actually didn't come out in Japan for another six months, which is funny, but released in the United States on December 23rd of 1994. And to answer your question, Julio, yes, it was uh, a budget of $35 million, which is hilarious to begin with. But, man, those sets aren't free, and Jean-Claude Van Damme certainly ain't free.
0: It was riding high at that time.
1: A box office return of $100 million.
0: All right. Oh, there so, you go. That's not a flop at all. Now the question is, why did we not get a live-action sequel? Uh, well, I mean, I guess we this did. This was way like, down the line, but I'm talking about like with the same cast and everything.
1: Well, this was kind of the tipping point for Jean Claude. I I don't remember like a big movie he did. I mean, he did like Double Team with Dennis Rodman, and then Universal Soldier, but it wasn't again until like JcVD or even the Expendables 2, where he was like, "Holy shit, it's Jean Claude Van Damme again?" This was kind of like the last movie of that. This one ruined him because everybody saw him and was like, oh, it's
0: Guile.
2: <laughs> well, a few years after this, we get Quest, which isn't that essentially this movie again? Is that the one that he directed? I don't know. It had, um, who's it got in it? Uh, the, oh, I cannot remember the guy's name. It's just completely left my head. Um,
0: I, I think that he directed James, the movie. J- James
2: Remar was in it. Roger Moore's in it. Holy shit. It's basically a... There's a, like there's a sumo wrestler in it. It's just it, it. might as well be Street Fighter too, and actually, it's better than Street Fighter.
1: <laughs> well, I'm not uh, saying it's good. It was written and directed by Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh, it's the story of the Kumite with Frank Dukes. Okay, yeah, Frank Dukes is a fucking idiot. <laughs> 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 he's also psychotic, so he's probably going to listen to this and come kill me now. Um,
0: <laughs> all right, but is, back is to he a the Street Fighter as well.
1: Frank Dukes? <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, we could go another two hours. He's this guy that Bloodsport was allegedly based on, who claims so allegedly, Jean-Claude Van Damme's character in Bloodsport is based off Frank Dukes, who claims that there was a real kumite that he was recruited recruited for and had to fly out to, you know, Thailand or wherever to go to. And, you know, you had to kill men to get into it and like no one was allowed to talk about it. Dude, you're ever bored or <laughs> ripping a few beers late at night and just want to be entertained? Watch Frank Dukes interviews. He like He talks about, like, uh, he still works for the CIA, but no one can know it, and he's... But he's giving interviews about it. Yeah, he's he's just... (laughs) He's either, like, a great Andy Kaufman-level performance artist or just fucking insane, and I tend to go with the latter. (laughs) There is a really cool picture of him and Jean-Claude at the premiere of Bloodsport, though. But anyway... Uh, not written and directed by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Street Fighter was directed by Stephen E. DeSouza, and the screenplay was also written uh, by Mr. DeSouza, based, of course, off Street Fighter, the Capcom video game. Uh, as far as interesting little tidbits and trivia, what I was able to come across, Jean-Claude Van Damme revealed during filming he had a drug problem, doing approximately $10,000 worth of cocaine a week, oh. and had an affair with Kylie Minogue. Fair in, play to him. In the movie? Yeah. Uh, director DeSouza confirmed in 2018 that Van Damme's coke addiction uh, caused constant uh, disruptions during filming. The studio had hired a Wrangler to keep an eye on Van Damme, but this person was a bad influence himself. The, <laughs> the action star would often call in sick, leave set, show up late or not at all, forcing DeSouza to find other scenes to film in order to make
2: up for lost time. I just imagine that his Wrangler was like a caddy in golf where he'd be like, I need another bump. And he just like hand him (laughs) completely (laughs) misunderstood why he wasn't said. His handler was Tom (laughs) Sizemore. (laughs) Cause if you like, if you tally up the words that Van Damme says in this film, it's like, it's minimal. It's low. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue and the lines he has tend to be about six words total. That was after reading that, I really started taking stock of that. It's
1: like, yeah, he's definitely the like the top billing, but I wouldn't call him the lead. I'm pretty sure Chun-Li has more lines of dialogue than he does. Definitely. Uh, according to cast and crew, Jean-Claude Van Damme was not easy to work with due to a combination of professional ego and substance abuse. Being the biggest star in the film, which he definitely was uh, at that point, Van Damme... Got a presidential hotel suite with a gym put into his room, but he would often refuse to come out of the hotel or his trailer until he felt ready. When he did come out, he would often bring alcohol to set, take hours to shoot his scenes. By contrast, everyone loved Kylie Minogue, praising her for her professionalism and generosity, such as hiring a club and buying drinks for the entire cast and crew to make up for a tough shoot uh, and make it a little easier. So the
0: nicest person in the shoot and the biggest asshole in the shoot hooked up.
1: I mean I mean I've seen it happen if I I'm pretty sure they were both in wardrobe and just looked at each other and said (laughs) you look like that I look like this we should fuck.
0: It
2: would be a shame. <laughs> so was Kylie was Kylie Minogue already like Kylie Minogue at this point? No, that was the thing of like, like how was she how was she paying for all like I, at this point she's <laughs> that person from Neighbours. is yeah. No, I think this was after she was a star because Locomotion was her big first music hit, and that was definitely the late eighties. Is so Locomotion she- a hit, or is it just a thing that Australian kids know? <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying that that wasn't like an international hit? I'm maybe? saying I don't know, but I would find it strange if it was. Because I did read that she was cast because there was some incentive about hiring an Australian that they like. They won't the, punch you. The studio. <laughs> like, that the studio pushed them to hire an Australian at the last minute. And um With so a, she was like the last cast member. Hired an Australian, put a Union Jack on their uniform, <laughs> like, hope that I mean, no one notices that she can't do an English accent. I was going
0: to say, because she's supposed to be British in the movie, right? Yeah. In, in yeah. all
1: honesty, if this had been released a year later, she probably would have been like had a billing. Just because. billing? Like, I. Because she was, like, a sensation. I'm not necessarily saying that's a good thing one way or the other. But she, I always found that fascinating years later when I did realize that she was a big deal. Like, um, obviously, I didn't know who she was at the time. But when I rewatched this, like, in my teens, I was like, holy shit, that's Kylie
2: Minogue as Cammy. Mm. Um, (laughs) And she's actually, like, weirdly, she's a bigger deal in the UK than she is in Australia. Like, they're They're sick. For the Minogue, dude i
1: I once read one time they compared her fame in the UK to that of Oasis, like she was just like this
2: cultural happening over there. Oh, she's mad, so like, and to this day, like she um she headlined, um, Reading not Reading, she she yeah she did one of the headline sets at Glastonbury like two years ago. <laughs> wow, <laughs> and she came out in
1: her cami outfit. <laughs>
2: She was definitely Oh, she's
1: al- she still got it.
2: <laughs> she was definitely already a name. She released her greatest hits album before this came out. Her <laughs> greatest her greatest hits was released in 92 and reached the number one in the UK and number three in Australia. So she was already a name by 94, definitely. A- again, again, one in the UK, three in Australia. Just
0: not a name in the US.
2: Yeah, not in the US. Yeah. The US probably didn't come until the by probably the early 2000s. Was it just seven right? different mixes of the locomotion? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That'd be interesting. I wonder if like in the UK and I Australia, she did have billing, like she was on the poster. She's
0: in the poster of back, uh, Van Damme in the background.
1: shes uh, You've seen the poster, right? It was
0: mm-hmm.
2: definitely a thing here that it's its this movie and Kylie Minogue's in it. It adds
1: to some of the intrigue. <laughs> but uh, there was equal praise for Raul Julia, who was accompanied by his family due to being terminally ill with stomach cancer. Despite his declining health and frail state, everyone thought that Julia was always focused and a joy to work with. That was uh I kind of got a little emotional reading about him. he took the role of it because his his kids were a fan of the video game and he thought this would be like one great last thing to have with them because they enjoyed it and like he brought him with him and thought they would have like fun
2: seeing it watching it with him
0: which I hope they did I mean I yeah. hope that they every, I mean every every
2: kid should see. Say- Jean Claude Van Damme high on coke before <laughs> before they grow up. I saw that Raoul actually got a couple of awards for this as well. He got like a Saturn Award for best acting in a sci fi. Yeah, like a couple of different things. Pretty stiff yeah. competition that year.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it, it was really weird because that was a lot of the reviews I read too would be like, yeah, it's all shit, but Raoul Julia is pretty good in this.
0: I really I I guess what I hope is that his kids were not. Like They were the gamers, like you and I, Alex, that can appreciate the movie uh, as in, oh, it's riffing on the game. Yeah. And they were not the kind of gamers that were like, this is nothing like the game. Fuck you, dad.
1: <laughs> on their Switch. Like, <laughs> yeah. this isn't, and Bison wouldn't say that. Um For the role of M. Bison, Raul Julia researched various dictators and crime lords and their lives and personalities and mimicked many of their traits and incorporated them into the M. Bison character, Uh, notably Mussolini's hand gestures, Stalin's mannerisms, Escobar and his elusiveness, and Adolf Hitler's love of art. Julia also approached the role with a Shakespearean tone, looking at Bison in the same type of villain as Richard III, which goes to what we were jesting about in the first portion.
2: He took this so seriously, and that is so awesome. He took it far more seriously than the film deserves. <laughs> yeah, that's so much more prep than any of this film deserves. Maybe, maybe my favorite thing about the whole film actually is just that massive painting, the the, the Napoleon bison painting that thing that thing is bonkers in a brilliant way and the
1: the john wayne gacy painting of him in the background like i i I don't know why who thought that was a good idea but why not um the amphibious attack on m bison's compound filmed on location in thailand was originally supposed
2: to be an air assault but the thai government said no fucking way (laughs) That's uh, If we stop to point out everything that's dumb about the movie, we're going to be here a while. But if you've engaged stealth mode on your stealth boat, don't <laughs> start shooting things. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, fucking idiot.
1: <laughs> so yeah, they had to change it at the last minute and it was just, I assume, it's not that hard. I assume actually, not. I assume I, I would venture to think it probably would have looked more clunky if it was the air assault because God knows how they would have had to film it. But anyway, then rounding things out here, this originally got an R rating, Holy and then shit. they resubmitted it, and it got a G rating. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> universe, too much. Too much. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> "No, it can't be G because no kids want to see a G movie." Right. Yeah. So they had to dub in Jean Claude Van Damme using a couple swear words in post production to get the PG thirteen rating.
0: Why not just put back say- in something that they cut out? I don't
1: know. <laughs> the the whipping scene of Ihando actually went on for 10 minutes. It, it was uh it was much more brutal and vi- uh,
2: visceral. And then <laughs> to uh, me that's the most confusing thing about the film is who is this aimed for? Because in some ways it's clearly a kids film, but even like with the cuts they made, I feel like it's still pretty violent, I think. That scene of
1: Jean-Claude about to, like, euthanize his friend. (laughs) I'm sure I didn't know how to interpret that as a child, because as an adult, I was like, it's
0: pretty grim. I think you blocked it. You and I both blocked it from our memories, and and it was just unlocked (laughs) now.
1: And then, uh, just rounding out here, the last and final bit, and the best one, Fabio was originally in line for the role of
2: Vega. that would have made things so much better
0: what happened why not
2: he looked at it and said no fucking way (laughs) (laughs) even fabio was like i'm above this
0: did you i'm guessing this was fabio before he got hit by a bird that's funny you know that
1: story that's that's like the first thing i always think of with him do you guys know the story of fabio on the maiden voyage of a roller coaster and got hit in the face by a bird no (laughs) i'm pretty sure it was in america but it was some like amusement park that had like this big roller coaster and this was like at peak fabio and they're like the celebrity guest, it was the Leonard Nimoy on the monorail type thing. And uh, they had him ride this roller coaster in the front, and a fucking bird hit him in the face. So, like, when he got back to the end point, he was all bloodied and, like, really pissed off. And there's, like, this amazing footage of him, like, you know, just cutting a promo on the, the operator of the ride. But uh, here nor there, the meat and potatoes, 1994 Street Fighter. It's dumb but it's not bad.
0: I mean... I, I, I disagree. I don't know, like I like this movie, but I wouldn't say that it's not bad. I'm just... I think this is the closest I have to a guilty pleasure uh, because every time somebody brings up guilty pleasures, I think... You like Green Book. I uh, No, I I defend <laughs> Green Book. <laughs> doesn't mean I like it. I'll watch this over Green Book, but I think that Green Book is probably a better made movie. Uh, we are complex human beings, Alex. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, the thing for me is like I was looking on Letterboxd and I saw, you know, obviously all the half-star reviews, the one-star reviews, and it just felt so mean-spirited to me because it's hard to judge this movie as a real movie. Like, I I don't see this movie as a failure or as a bad movie because I can't see that this isn't exactly what the filmmakers set out to 100%. do. 100%. Yeah, I think what they put on the screen... Is 100% their intention. They wanted it to be a campy, schlocky, fun film. And that's exactly what I think it is. Like, is it a complete and utter mess? Yes. But that doesn't mean it's bad. (laughs) I was hoping for something that was either just a bunch of dumb fun or something that was kind of so bad that it was fun. This is Unfortunately... (laughs) I watched, this, I watched this one day after I watched Six Underground, Michael Bay's latest shit fest, which when I watched it, I was like, that's definitely the worst film I'm watching this week. Wrong. <laughs> Here's maybe my primary aggravation with this film, is that it's a film based on a game where all you do is fight. <laughs> and this film has so little action in it. The action that is there is just absolute b-grade rubbish and at the climax of the film it's a lot of it's not even hand-to-hand combat it's people shooting i don't want guns in a street <laughs> fighter film i want people actually fighting dude i love so much how horrible and guile
1: how horrible of shots they are when they're like <laughs> almost at point blank range just shooting at each other and then two land in his gut it's um, stormtrooper
2: level stuff it's real bad
1: yeah i think it's just a i don't know it, I've we've watched so many bad movies for this that I can't lump it in as being bad. Um, it's dumb. I watched... Uh, here's a double feature. Last night I watched Nebraska and Major Pain. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Like Major Pain, I was watching that. And I'm like, God, this is so fucking stupid, but it's so entertaining. And that's kind of how I am with this. I think where the issue comes in with a lot of people and their criticism... Um, I, I, one of y'all mentioned it... Uh, It's exactly what they wanted to make. De Souza, the people, they didn't really give a shit about making a video game movie. They just had the source material that they could loosely play off of that had marketability. They
0: gave him a a checklist and they're like, okay, you have to hit all these things.
1: Do whatever you want. And it's it's just a dumb Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that has a few more names in it than your typical Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. And... It's uh this is a movie I would describe as a perfectly acceptable rainy day Saturday afternoon matinee. Like (laughs) That's how I feel about Mortal Kombat. (laughs) Okay. So Yes. (laughs) I think Mortal Kombat. Which I love. (laughs) Okay, there well, we're off the rails now. I think Mortal Kombat fucking sucks.
0: (laughs) I've only seen Mortal Kombat once, but I remember as as a kid appreciating that Mortal Kombat did what Street Fighter didn't do, which is they just embraced the tournament. You know, it, that's, that to me, as a kid, made all the difference. If I watch it today, I might be bored. But as a kid, I just remember liking the fact that, oh, this is a movie that is actually like the game.
2: They had the guy from
1: My Giant in the Goro suit.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, you can't I'm be bored ha- with the music, the fame music from Mortal Kombat. You can't be bored. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Bam, bam,
1: Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme turned
0: down the role of Johnny Cage for that movie. Good for the movie. That would have been weird. That would have been very weird. You need you need more charisma for Johnny Cage than Jean-Claude Van Damme can give. Can- what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> I know you like to look at yourself, Bison. Look at this. <laughs> and then he like gives him the up yours. God, JCVD is on fire in this movie.
0: He's on a lot of things. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah. He's on oh, something, that's
2: for sure. <laughs> He's basically just fucking shooting up rocket fuel in between takes. <laughs> No one of the sets looked like they were made for a high school play because all the money was in JCVD's Scarface pile of coke. He got hooked on DNA mutagen.
1: His face nowadays, like when I saw The Expendables 2, that movie's awesome and he's awesome in it. But I was looking at his face and I was like, that is, he looks like a man that did just 10 grand worth of cocaine for 15 years.
0: (laughs) On the set of Street Fighter.
1: It took years off his life. Julio, Um, uh, we, we got so far ahead of ourselves. Um... So in the first portion we had the critics that were slamming it, but there was that lowly eleven percent uh, that I was a part of.
0: <laughs> yeah, that I mean, had good things to say during that many reviews to begin with. So there's only two fresh quotes, and then there's a rotten quote that's actually pretty. A compul salt. Yeah. Uh, so let's get through those real quick because I think that they kind of. I agree with a little of what we're saying when we're defending the movie. Uh, Sebastian Zavala Khan from Mass Gamers says, one of the most unintentionally funny movies I've ever seen, which has become a cult classic over the years. So I think they were intentionally funny yeah, same. yes i
2: think it was meant to be exactly what it is it's it's clearly written to be a campy piece of crap
0: <laughs> yeah uh megan navarro from birth movies death says even knowing what a mess street fighter is i will defend it to the end of time all for what raul julia brought to the film
1: that's that's a fair take.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and finally david hogan from Hogan hoganreviews.com Code. uk says it literally shreds the source material in favor of a Van Damme-centric war movie, but I can't That's bring exactly myself <laughs> <Yep. laughs> but I can't bring myself to hate it mostly for Bison's cheesec lines. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Julia, uh probably the strongest thing, you know. I mean, Tofer said the painting, but also <laughs> just roll Julia's performance. Yeah, I'm Julia is it.
2: incredible in it. Like I really do love watching Julia in the film. The thing is, like, any scene with Van Damme. He manages to like Wes Studi is a good actor, but when he's in a scene with really anyone in this film, he gets dragged down to their level. <laughs> it's it's just tough to watch for my guy Wes.
1: Uh, <laughs> I was telling Julio the Blu-ray I have. I own this on DVD and Blu-ray, uh, and the wow the Blu-ray I have of it. It said outtakes, so I was like, oh, okay, it's not outtakes in the comedic sense. It's just kind of like um, the. Spare camera on set was filming behind-the-scenes stuff just for whatever. There is this scene of Jean-Claude Van Damme and the actors who play Ken and Ryu uh, preparing for their fight scene. And he is talking to them so condescendingly and showing them how to, like, pull punches and shit. And, like, can you do that? And, like, <laughs> it's, it was... Uh, It was pretty amazing to watch. And then also, I got to get my joke in because I thought it was funny. That painting of Raul Julia, that's going to be one of the things unveiled at the Academy Museum when they open (laughs) it next year. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this... So much of the negative attachment to this movie is, one, yeah, it's not fucking Forrest Gump. And then, two, it's the whole... the, The veil, the identity of video game movies... It's, that's you want to talk about a kiss of death, that's pretty close to it. And I think a lot of people just lump this in as one of those video game movies that sucks. And there are a lot of video game movies that suck. This movie's big and dumb, but I think it, at least it's only a video game movie in title, really, in that it's just exactly what that person said, a dumb uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle.
0: But I, I think what I was wrestling with is that... I think that you probably do need that attachment to the source material in order to enjoy it. Because, and you need to have been, you need to have watched it at the right time. I mean, unsurprisingly, Topher hated it. <laughs> because he hadn't seen it before and he, he really, he wasn't... a, a a fan of the game. He he never played. I had the game. seen
2: I had seen it before. I'd just largely forgotten. I'd driven it from my memory. <laughs> even <laughs> even as a teenage boy, the most base level creature on the planet, I think something <laughs> in me was like don't go back. See, I'd never seen it before, and I had a rip-roaring great time. So. <laughs>
0: That's it's. it's but, I mean, I mean, we all know that Billy Billy's bar for liking movies is pretty low. <laughs> well,
2: sometimes, sometimes
0: <laughs> you need <laughs> that, though.
2: Tell it's, us uh, more about Reindeer Games, Billy. Reindeer Games is a stone-cold classic, and I will not have you slam it again. <laughs>
1: That's so funny you bring that up, because Reindeer Games and Street Fighter are very similar in the aspect of I have such sentimental attachments to my theater experience that yeah. I have a hard time Knocking them. Uh, Namely, for Ranger games, uh, that was my first time ever seeing tits on a big screen. (laughs) And I was uh, 13 and very captivated by what I was watching. That's uh, where my
2: love for Titanic comes from.
1: (laughs) uh, Many, many of uh, that generation as well. So, with this one, like I said, my dad took me to an opening day. And uh, this is my first vivid movie theater memory of my life. I have a flash. My dad took me to see Beauty and the Beast when that came out. And I have like, you know, a flash of a memory of us walking into the theater. But for this specifically, I have a vivid memory of when Chun-Li does that flying kick at Bison, that shot of her, of her like flying through the air. That is like my first vivid memory of being in a movie theater and seeing something. So... That's always going to be with me. And I think because I'm especially like a golden age thinking type person or like, you know, I always view memories with like fuzzy tinted glasses. So that to me makes this special. And I think that's with any type of art. Some people have personal attachments to it. All that to say, it's still really dumb, but <laughs> it kind of has a special place in my heart because of that.
0: Well, I think it's it's crazy that this might be the most in sync our past life has been because uh i i also saw it in theaters and it was at the time where people started going to the movies again in peru Mm -hmm. just like i might have mentioned this in the podcast before if we ever did like a a really old movie uh there was like for a while (laughs) for several years it was it was pretty bad out there in peru like as far as like terrorism and all that stuff, so it was dangerous to go out to place a public place like the movies because you could get blown up, you know, in a terrorist attack. So movie, the movie theater business was under decline. Then terrorism was vanquished and people started going out again. <laughs> and Colonel Guile came. And saved <laughs> the <girl day>. <laughs> um, so it was, it was two things: one that it was safe, and two that we started getting movies. Kind of around the same time that, that they started coming out in the US. So I remember the uh, Jurassic Park in '93 was a big thing because yeah. we were playing it at the same time that it was playing in the States. So, '94, I remember it was the first time that my parents took us to the movies again because they'd taken us when we were kids and we went to see Forrest Gump. And it was just like, wow, we're going to be doing this a lot. And the next time we went to the movies was shortly after, and he was to watch Street Fighter. Nice. <laughs> Night and day, which is hilarious. that you said, this movie is not Forrest Gump. Yes, it's not Forrest Gump. <laughs> but way better. Yes. I mean, it was... You know, we were just happy to be out there. I, I, I've never really had that discussion with my parents about, like, what it was like to go see this movie with us. Because, obviously, yeah. they were not... They weren't even aware of the game, yeah. <laughs> you know? But, to me, it was... So when I think of Street Fighter, and kind of like with you, I have that attachment. I was like, oh, it was just so awesome to go to the movies again and see this. And But at the same time, I had the experience of really liking the game and being uh, not mad at the movie, but kind of puzzled by why they wouldn't just... Why did they went the way of the war movie yeah. instead of making a, a movie that was about fighting? And so, I mean, I was too young to really go into... Just like, this is a bad movie. Fuck this movie. Fuck Steven DeSouza. Fuck Van Damme. But I remember just resenting it a little bit, but also thinking, all right, well, I guess that's just how it's supposed to be. You know, it's like I didn't have the critical uh, mindset of thinking that they'd made a wrong choice. It was just more like, oh, that was my fault for expecting a movie that was uh, faithful to the video game. Even at seven,
1: I realized they made some missteps with the cinematography, you know? (laughs)
0: Uh. <laughs> but I remember watching the being pumped for the movie. They, I, I was telling you about it before we started recording. Uh, uh, watching a behind the scenes sort of featurette they were playing on TV, where uh, the Sozo was talking about how he wanted to make a movie for his kids, and he was excited about all the different elements that he was bringing into the movie, he was like, we have gunfights, we have fistfights, we have elephants, we're in the jungle, we're in the river. He was he was pumped. He deferred his salary for the cast. That's really? how much he believed in it. Yeah, cast. see? So this was sort of a labor of love for him. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, uh, Billy and Topher, I think we can agree. The issues with this movie are not from a lack of effort. It's not a lazy movie. It just... it strikes a bit more than it hits
2: it wasn't lazy to get high schoolers to
0: build the sets <laughs> <laughs> that's called compromising <laughs> you gotta move around the budget because you have to cover uh van damme's expenses <laughs> so yeah.
1: you know hula and i have our memories of seeing this in the mid 90s but you know viewing this through 2020 lenses is it's a pretty uh sobering experience um
0: Well, that's the thing, though, because how do you guys experience a movie not being uh, really knowledgeable of the game? Because it sounds like, I mean, you kind of knew the very basics, but to me, that's the the biggest thing. Uh, If you haven't played the game and you're not really getting a kick out of every little call out that they make in the movie, it's ridiculous, but this movie is basically the plot now that we're in real talk, I can say, like, a lot of the really weird decisions in the plot are just so that you can have some sort of uh, reference to the video game. So, what happens when you're not familiar with the video game? You know, it, it, how much does that affect your enjoyment?
2: Yeah, it's funny, I guess, because I had no knowledge of the video game, I just didn't notice the fan service, I guess. But apart from that, like, I, I don't know, because in, in my head, I'm like, well, it's just, it's just a fighting game, how, how much plot? Is there like, you know, for the fighting games I've played, you just, you hit arcade mode. One bad guy comes in, you fight them, you win, you fight the next bad guy. There's no real plot to oh, it. Oh, you, you skip so...
0: through the, through the cutscenes, don't you?
2: <laughs> Yo, man, I don't watch cutscenes in anything. So to, to me, I was like, yeah, this is, this is pretty much what I expected. Like it was was, you know, to me, it felt like they were trying to pull out a plot out of a, a story that didn't have a plot to begin with. And I was like, yeah, this makes total sense. It's cool. Because, <laughs> I mean, essentially, like, what is kind of the B plot in the film, which actually probably gets more time than the A plot because Van Damme can't be given lines, <laughs> is... <laughs> he, he's, he's been getting lines. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: But it's okay, because I can go home.
2: <laughs> but if you were from, like, from an ed- from an editing standpoint, there are whole plot lines that... If it weren't for the fact that well you can't get rid of these characters because we need them in here because they're in the game. There are entire plot lines. You would just cut.
0: Right. You you don't need uh you know, you don't need to have moments for uh for the cameraman and for you know for Balrog and Honda. Um you don't need all the, the subplot with uh Blanca and Dalsim
1: Yeah, that shit is so stupid. Like the whole- But even
0: really crazy stuff like the fact that Dalsim is bold in that final shot. It, the chemicals burned his hair off. Right. But that's so, that's so weird. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it's there just because that's the way he looks in the game. You know, like somebody made that decision just because he needs to look like he looks in the game at the end of the movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, DeSouza or someone involved didn't play as every character. And then like, they like saw like, you know, uh, the side of the arcade cabinet that had all the characters like, Dal seems bald. Fuck. <laughs>
0: the actor <laughs> after they cast the actor he had never played the game he was like yeah sure he shows up with his interpretation of del Cimo. I'm like uh nope oh
1: god what's that movie where the role required the guy to be bald be refused so he put a horrible bald wig on that's just what i'm thinking of this guy here like he clearly de Souza came with the clippers to set and said nut up motherfucker but uh so the blanca thing is so dumb Because like with anything, it's what we talked about, like Rob Zombie's Halloween and Django Fett and Anakin Skywalker and just nerd shit that I'm going to keep listing. But um, Blanc is cool because you don't really know how he got that way. And the fact that they're (laughs) still. I was trying
0: to figure out what what they all had in. He's like (laughs) an electrified
1: monster from Brazil. Okay. And then in this movie, it's just like. (laughs) Uh yeah, we're just gonna show him a Serbian film a bunch of times and turn him into this bad guy.
0: <laughs> but it's also I would argue and yet I'm a fan of the game, so maybe this doesn't hold water, but I would say that it's counterproductive when you get characters that are fan favorites and then you kind of give them nothing parts. You know, if you go into this this movie and you're a fan of Guile, Ken, Ryu, Bison Chan Lee, you know, you're good. If you're a fan of Blanca, if you're a fan of Dalseem, if you're a fan of T-Hawk, you are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's almost it's almost insulting. Maybe I'm just too jaded as a, you know, as an adult where I'm like I'd rather get nothing. Well, and as a kid, I was just happy to get whatever they would give me.
1: Exactly. And what you're speaking to also is why video game movies are just thankless. There's no that's why like you know how many times people have tried to buy the rights to do a Metal Gear Solid movie? It, there's no way you can please even more hard to please than like movie nerds or video game nerds. You mend those two. Good <laughs> Lord. And it's just like, it's such a thankless position to be in. Uh, Did you guys
0: watch the Assassin's Creed movie with Fastbender?
2: I gave that a hard pass. Yeah, no, I didn't. No.
0: I, I watched it for Fastbender and it's terrible. I'm not <laughs> a fan of the game though. So maybe was I missing something because I'm not a fan of the game? Uh, Gentlemen,
1: uh, all three of you, before we tie this back around and wrap up with Street Fighter, I guess that that's where this conversation can go. What is a good video game movie?
0: Well, he said Mortal
2: Kombat. <laughs> well, yeah. Mortal Kombat is so far the only success. I don't know. I honestly feel like this is pretty good.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I like this one, but I wouldn't say... I guess it's a guilty pleasure. This movie captures
1: the benevolence of... Getting a slice of pizza and a soda and just going yep. to the arcade and walking around and looking at lights and like listening to loud noises go off. And then, you know, just kind of fucking around and not taking anything too seriously. I That's think that- exactly
2: right. I think even though I didn't play the game as a kid, watching this movie, it brought me back. It made me feel like a kid in the 90s, hanging out with my friends. Playing games together, eating pizza, that's exactly the feeling I got from it. So it made me feel like I didn't have enough beer in the fridge. <laughs> um But I think what what you've described is actually what Mortal Kombat does for me. Like that film, like it's terrible, but that is what that film does for me. This one does not.
0: <laughs> did you did you have more attachment to the Mortal Kombat property?
2: I did, yeah, but not by like if I was lucky enough to be around someone who could Spare me a few cents to actually button mash one of these machines for twenty <laughs> seconds before I had my ass handed to me. I didn't care which one I got, but if I if I had the choice, I would be Mortal Kombat.
3: Yeah,
1: and that's That well, yeah, that's fair. And Mortal that,
2: Kombat has the song.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, and like we always talk about with this podcast about Rotten Tomatoes is. It postulates that you can judge all movies with the same criteria, and that is so not right at all. And this movie is...
0: It's better than Duplex.
1: This is better than Duplex. (laughs) The fact that those are both 11%. This is, you know, I would... Some of the fresh movies we've done, and you know where I'm going with this, I'd pick (laughs) this over American Hustle 10 times out of 10. I'm
2: picking up your subtext. This is better than Green Book. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, so yeah video game movies in general i mean it's it's a thankless thing and i, I think originally the idea behind it was it's a way to expand marketing possibilities and because uh, the whole idea with the super mario brothers movie i think mean, that came with a toy line and you know all but of see that.
0: super mario i can understand because how do you translate that into a movie you know, like, the game... It's-, it's a dude fighting a lizard to rescue a woman. It's not that difficult. <laughs> but see, that doesn't really you're capture... it making a pizza. <laughs> that doesn't capture the magic of going down gigantic uh, pipes. I'm jesting.
1: And- yes, you're right. Th- that's the point that people <laughs> oh, just failed I a- thought
0: you were serious. No.
2: <laughs> There's no... Really like in, a- in a world where, like, films are so driven by existing IP that still, like, no one's cracked it. No one has cracked the video game code with film. You know, it's actually bonkers that no one has got it right. Honestly, Hot Take, the best video game movie is 1917. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was thinking that earlier. Not <laughs> not based on a video game, but that is, like, one of the only ones that captures that feeling. Because that, that's the thing. I agree. It's a completely different medium. In video games, it's about you feeling as part of that character, which is really hard to do in a movie.
1: Absolutely. That's, uh, that's always the thing with... That's kind of why I like this more, is it went about, okay, it's just Street Fighter in name only. We're just going to make a dumb war movie, where like people always fail to realize. The video game thing, because people always talk about making The Last of Us a movie,
0: mm-hmm. and it's
1: like, the point of that and like Metal Gear Solid is that you're that character playing through that. You can't necessarily just vomit that out on screen again. The closest thing, honestly, I think, to a good video game movie, I think Silent Hill came pretty close. The first one. I know oh, they wow. made like four after. That. Yeah. But <laughs> Long time ago. It's uh, it, like you guys have said, it's so hard to replicate that feeling
2: of journey. Um, I'm still hanging out for Diablo. <laughs> Diablo. I want it. I want it in my eyeballs. God, what a throwback that is.
0: I think that you can hopefully, I, I think the dream is to maybe not try to emulate the feeling of playing the game because, yes, you're always going to lose there. Although I think that 1917 does something really awesome in the way that it's shot and how it at least gets you close. Is it the... It, is the Sam Mendes war movie that's just like all oh, one single take. I
1: was to say. The gimmick is it's mm-hmm. one shot. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: but but Elizabeth I think Olsen that, did that with Silent House. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I think that with some games, you can at least... Try to create a movie that lives in that world, even if it's not the same experience. And like, to me, it finally happened. It has a a, a show on Netflix, right? And I haven't watched most uh, most of it, but uh, the idea of Castlevania not being a bigger property on the screen to me is crazy. It's it's a generation of vampire hunters facing off against Dracula, and there's so much that you can pull from the games. You don't have to replicate what happens when you're playing the game, but it's a rich world and you can make an interesting vampire movie or vampire TV series, uh, with in that world with those characters.
2: Yeah. So
0: why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's like, so hard about it?
2: Yeah, I think that's where with adaptations of games, I think they need to go one way or the other. Like you say go for the ones with really rich mythology and lore that they can pull from. You know, like Legend of Zelda, I think is another one that they could pretty good make, you know, a Netflix series or or a you film. Don't have another go at that in English, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. They man. could good I, I make wasn't going to I wasn't going to say anything, but like I was going <laughs> to homer Um, the he read card good (laughs) (laughs) um or go the other way and just pick you know really child-based franchises like for example detective pikachu i think got it pretty right because it's more about as you say the characters in the world there's no real plot to replicate so it's a lot easier to pull off
1: as Mm. someone who likes this movie i'm eternally thankful it was made when it was and i have the Attachment to it that I do, and I had the experience with it that I did, because I know if you if, watched it today, if this came out today, I would, oh fuck this, Guile would never do that, blah 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 blah. <laughs> so it's, um, it, I mean that's the life of being a fan of any type of art. Is it's the time period it came it comes out in is so paramount, and your interpretation of things change through
0: time. Did you guys watch Rampage? The movie with The Rock. I know you were fans no. of Skyscraper. So I, I did know. like Skyscraper. Oh, uh,
2: I didn't watch Rampage yet. It is on my watch list, though. <laughs> I, I, I watched Rampage the- on a plane coming, actually coming back from the US, and I was—I don't remember it at all because I was like, you know, I was half awake, <laughs> half asleep. You're in that. You're in that zone. But my very dim recollections are that I do not need to revisit it to like really get the full experience. <laughs> I
1: love The Rock. Uh huh. Dwayne is a great man. <laughs> I never plan on watching that movie.
0: <laughs> but that is... I, I think it's a good example of... That...
1: Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Well, it's a good example of taking... There's not much to it as far there's as the game.
1: There's nothing to that game. Right. So, but if It's fun, gonna, but there's nothing to it.
0: Right, exactly. So if you're going to make a movie of it... Kind of like, the pieces are set for you. Giant ape, giant lizard, destroying the city. The Rock screaming, <laughs> rampage! Well, it's like, <laughs> insert the Rock and go.
1: <laughs> That's been Hollywood's model for
2: about 10 years now.
1: <laughs> and uh, I, can't,
2: I mean, this
0: is Daniel Craig's last
2: Bond film. I can't wait for the next one. With the oh, Rock. With the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: Street Fighter, you know, the reason we're here, what's causing all this, it is... Uh, one of those reviews said it it's exactly what it wanted to be it's not something and you know i'm a big campy horror movie guy it's not some movie that just fucking sucks and is funny to watch again it's not friday the 13th part eight it's not that it's not a movie that like tried to put all this shit on the screen to be serious and then it comes across as just really fucking stupid it's it's what it wanted to be uh in my opinion the the comedy in it works. The line about the you know, give me a hand. Uh, we've only been here for two hours. Um, even the figure skating line. And I'm such. I mean, a... It
0: works in that sense that a, a dad joke works. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It doesn't work like you know, Tropic Thunder or something <laughs> like that. It's not. It's not intelligent comedy. It works in the sense that I'm watching this while I'm cleaning, and then I just kind of laugh in the background type thing. And uh, I'm such a sucker for build-ups to stupid jokes that that Godzilla thing made me laugh so hard this <laughs> most recent time I was watching it. That all to say, I, I it's not a movie I would uh, in good conscience recommend to somebody. I think you're getting Jean-Claude at his most Jean-Claude. Uh, but um, as I throw it over to... Uh, our international brethren, I think the one thing we can probably agree on with this is that Raul Julia is unquestionably the MVP of this movie.
0: What a prince. Wait, what's what's your rating? Me? In letter grade. A C. Oh, that's. I thought you gave it a B minus after how much you, you've been loving on it.
1: No, it's it's not a bad movie that becomes good. It's not like Here Comes the Boom, where that's like people perceive that it's a bad movie, but it's actually good, and this is why I can tell you it's good. This is a bad movie. I agree that it's stupid. I enjoy it, but if I'm just like analytically making an observation, it's dead center of the road. It's average.
0: All right, Topher. Since you're probably diametrically opposed, what's your uh, what's your rating and and your your summary of this movie?
2: There's a lot that's been said that I agree with. Like this film did know what it was going for. I just Unlike you, think it failed miserably in that attempt. (laughs) The like the action is not good action. The the quips are terrible. The performances, Julia aside, are I mean bad doesn't really, really convey how bad they are. It is trash. Will you try acting with that much coke in your skin? (laughs) Trash. Trash performances. The only good thing about Verdem in this film is checking his IMDb page where he still just has this glorious mullet. That's maybe (laughs) the most fun I had while watching the film. Um, It's it's god-awful. It's an F. Wow. Um,
1: Here's a question. What about the part where the guy who plays E. Honda says... I'm sumo, brother. I could be here. My mind's in another place.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that
0: checks out. (laughs) Uh, How about this, Topher? Gun to your head. You have to watch one of these two movies, Street Fighter or Tommy Boy. Street Fighter. That's that's (laughs) so easy. Such a dick. That's so
2: easy. (laughs) No, you are such a dick. <laughs> All tommy right, Billy. Boy is a so, seven out of ten film this is a six
1: <laughs> so th- it's so funny the parallel you'll have with that because we did black sheep yeah which is uh you know the other spade and farley movie yeah it's and, like the
2: spiritual follow-up to tommy boy yeah
1: and it, pretty much the exact same thing happened where i have such a strong attachment to that movie and Julio hated it, and it, like, hurt my feelings. Like, I was, I was getting, like, mad at him while we were, like, talking about it. So that that's uh, definitely something I can sympathize with. But, yeah, come on, Tommy Boy over... After I just sucked Street Fighter's dick for two hours, I mean, like, I'd still take Tommy Boy over that. Yeah, absolutely, because uh, it's a good movie.
0: <laughs> so, Billy, you said six out of ten. Uh, yeah.
2: So I guess that's like a C or
0: yeah. I mean I do I do stars. So I'll probably give it 3 stars, which I think is what you gave it on Letterbox, right? Yeah,
2: so 3 is the equivalent of yeah, cuz you double it and you get out of 10. Yeah, so 3 stars, yeah.
0: <laughs> do you have a final statement about Street Fighter that you want to make? Oh mate, I'd watch it again in a heartbeat. <laughs> God bless. I just
2: think it was fun, like in the right situation. Like yeah, I watched this on a Friday night, I was home alone, it was raining. I was just sitting there, eating my junk food, watching this. And it was, like I say, it took me back to the 90s and I didn't even play the game. So, yeah, I, I just think it nailed what it was going for.
0: That's, that's the thing. Bill is the outlier because <laughs> he, he watched it for the first time as an adult. And he yeah. was—he had no connection to the game. i mean, None of the mythology. an adult, yeah. though,
2: really. <laughs> when Billy watches a film, he actually does regress to a 13-year-old boy, so yeah. he actually got the same experience. It's true. I'm, I have to go away for work next week, and I've planned my own little film festival one of the nights while I'm away, and I'm going to go see... Uh, Sonic, speaking of great video game movies, Uh, Fantasy Island, which I know that you watched and and even you thought was terrible, Julio, but I'm expecting it to be great, and uh, Birds of Prey, so I'm just going to have my own little kind of crap film festival, and I'll probably love every second of it. (laughs) By that point,
1: it's going to be Birds of Prey, a Harley Quinn story starring Margaret (laughs) Robey.
2: Yeah,
0: how many times have they changed the name of that thing? (laughs) Oscar nominee, Margot Robbie. they want to make sure that you get all the information up front. That's uh, penetrated too far. I can't far. wait for
2: them to re Street Fighter as No Fighter. <laughs> I know it's Margot
1: Robbie, but like Tim Heidecker once said Margot Robbie, and I can't not say that every time. Uh, anyway.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I'll, I'll give it three stars. It's between two and a half and three. Whatever the case, I mean, I would just make the disclaimer that I don't think that I would like it. If I was watching it today, like what you said, if my first yeah. experience was today, and especially if I had no connection to the mythology. Because to me, what really makes the movie is the nonsensical call outs to the mythology. Yeah. If if I'm not enjoying <laughs> every time that a character finally shows up in the right costume, or every time that they reference their their special moves, then this movie loses a lot for me.
1: One thing I want to give a shout-out to before we bring this home is attention to detail, and as dumb as it is, I always pop for, like, uh, there's so many posters in the background of Bison doing the Uncle Sam, Bison <laughs> Wants You. Like, those little types of things will always get me.
0: Well, that that you can enjoy, I guess, without being a, a, a fan of the game. But if you're a fan of the game, there's yeah, yeah. there's a lot that you can enjoy. But potentially I could see how that's also – it's a double-edged sword because you could also – like like it happened to me when I was a kid. You could resent it a little bit because it's not what you want. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's not something that I would just watch all the time. No. But considering I actually don't have tolerance for uh, bad movies in the sense that some people like to watch bad movies knowing that they're bad. Oh, yeah. And no. I just can't do it. Like, the room... What, I, what type of way to live is that? But but see, if you're Billy? enjoying it... I can get it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, but, but Billy thinks they're good, so that I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't watch them in that way of like, oh, this is so bad, it's good. I, ju- I just have a genuinely fun time. I was hope, yeah. my My hope going into Street Fighter was that this will be so bad, it's good. That's actually where my hope was. And it... It didn't clear that bar.
1: (laughs) No, that's like uh, you were just about to say The Room after I watched uh, Disaster Artist, because once before that I had tried to watch The Room and I was like, I don't care if people think this is funny. This is so bad. I don't want to waste this time of my life watching it.
0: But see, I love hearing people talk about The Room. I just don't want to sit down and watch The Room. Oh, okay. You know? I, because I think that the, the conversation about it and people mimicking, you know, the characters and the quotes and just people pointing out everything that's bad about The Room is more fun to me than just sitting by myself and watching The Room.
1: I say that as, like, I've watched Jason Takes Manhattan literally probably 25 <laughs> times. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's your Tommy Boy. No. Okay. for me for me it's jason x yeah, jason, oh, man. jason jason in space is majestic i went back
1: and watched that recently and man oh, one of the greatest lines in the history of american cinema is uh, whoever that the the slutty character is right as she's about to die she screams this sucks on so many levels and then gets killed <laughs> just absolutely iconic masterful. shit um so i did want to bring up quickly, I told Julio this, and he didn't know. Did y'all know that there was a video game based off this movie? It was Street Fighter, the movie, the game.
3: <laughs>
2: what? That's the best. That's like when they novelize a movie that's based on a book.
3: <laughs>
1: Did that so, game
2: just take 45 minutes to load, and then nothing happened?
1: <laughs> so, it was released for uh, Sega Saturn, the PlayStation, and there was also um, a arcade cabinet of it, which I didn't know they actually made a cabinet of it. Anyway, it was... Um, very similar to the first Mortal Kombat in that, uh, this is video game nerd talk, that game changed the per- proverbial game in the sense of in Mortal Kombat, they were real life people that they mo and basically made sprites of real people doing real things as opposed to just animating them. So for Street Fighter, the movie, the game, they uh, did that with all of the actors playing their uh respective characters with the exception of Raul julia of course so there is a game and it's on youtube and i've tried to find it for playstation it's hard to track down where you can play as jean-claude van damme as guile like it, it's absolutely preposterous but it's his mock
2: most- was just snorting coke
1: <laughs> he turns his back to the camera a few times and then kind of puffs <laughs> his shoulders up and-
0: his uh his stamina goes up after that <laughs> yes yes
1: yeah, that was uh one of my favorite things to learn about and then also uh Ming Na Wen, the actress who played Chun-Li is still ridiculously hot. Yes, so. I Dude, thought she
0: looked familiar. In
2: Mandalorian, I was like, she's in Mandalorian? Yeah. She was in she was in one episode and looks the same.
0: I I know her from uh, Agents of Shield.
2: She's like almost like 60
1: and she's still just like a, a total smoke show.
0: Yep, I, you show me that picture, and that's when I, I realized, oh yeah, she's the the lady from Agents of Shield, and I'm I'm building up to the Mandalorian, so I look forward to encountering her. She yeah, might have a mask think- on
2: the entire time, but you can just tell. <laughs> <laughs> I think that covers
1: it. I mean, I honestly, it's it's funny. It's really easy to talk about movies that you are just kind of middle of the road with. Way more than movies that you like love or like when we were talking about Terminator, I just like spit everything out I had to say about it in like four minutes, and I was just like, <laughs> "Oh, all right, well we're done here."
0: But you were going on <laughs> about Genesis and Salvation for exactly. like twenty minutes each.
1: Like <laughs> it's if if you love it, you spit it out really quick. If you really dislike it, you just harp on it forever. But then it's these middle of the road movies that like this discussion I've had with the three of y'all has made me like realize things along the way, and it's it's just kind of fun to build <laughs> off of. So uh good discussion. Probably, and I will challenge to find another uh, more intelligent analytical breakdown of the 1994 Street Fighter <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> uh, so, bringing it home as we always do, we move to uh, plugs. So, for myself and Julio, our uh, uh, perpetual plugs being that of the Festive Years, who provide our opening and closing tracks. Uh, they open us with uh, "Last Stand," close us out with "Summer '99." Uh, the friend, festiveyears.com is where you can find all your festive years needs.
0: Yes. Our friend uh, Hans Rothgeiser, mildemonios.pe. That's where you get all your Hans Geiser needs. That's M-I-L-D-M-O-N-I-O-S. Uh, he did our logo. He has two podcasts, Nacion Combi, which is in Spanish, about Peruvian current affairs, <laughs> and uh, Living in Peru, about people that immigrate in Peru. That's uh, in English. You can find that one in iVox. You can find Nacion Combi in all podcatchers. He has a new novel. Check it out. Requiem por Lurín. If you speak Spanish and you like zombies and you've been dying to read about zombies taking over the Peruvian capital, this is it. This is where it happens. (laughs) Apparently it's been happening for two books prior. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, I think this is where Bill and Tofer tell us about their show.
1: I was about to say Tell us where uh, listeners can find y'all.
2: Alrighty, uh, where as you said at the start, we watched a thing. Formerly bears on film, but I think pretty much now we're just we watched a thing everywhere. Um, so yeah, we just kind of keep it live. We just watch one movie a week and talk about it. That's pretty much our mo. <laughs> like
0: a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you're you're underselling. Uh, you're underselling two things. One that as listeners of this episode have probably picked up on, you guys have great chemistry, which is, oh, thank you me. know, obviously... You We've have been to in have. prison
2: longer than two months.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then the other thing is that uh, I, I, I told Billy over on Twitter, to me, my favorite episodes is where you guys get to geek out on your field. So, because uh, you work behind the camera. Uh, and so when you get to talk about... Photography and uh, camera lenses and the, uh, the special effects and all this stuff, uh, your 1917 episode, I loved it because you had so much, uh, I mean, I just, it sounds geeky, but, you know, it's like so much <laughs> geeky stuff to say about it that I loved. Yeah. it I didn't get anywhere else. You know, it is
2: can... nice when we get a movie like that. We do a, a pretty broad range of movies. We cover all the new ones, but um, this month in particular, we're getting to quite a lot of old movies as we do Patreon requests and throwbacks and stuff. So that's always fun when you get those movies that you can really geek out on, which is great. Like um, Street Fighter. So yeah, you can find us at wewatch <laughs> uh, and we're on you know Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff at We Watch The Thing. If you want to find us and say hey or listen to us, you can do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do appreciate... Uh... We're both kind of similar in the sense of there's typically no real flow. It's just like <laughs> yeah. it, the the movies kind of just go all over the place. And I think that, and just personally speaking, it keeps things interesting, keeps things fresh. But yeah, uh, I told Julio I listening to y'all's Rise of Skywalker review. It was just getting me mad all over again.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm if if we had done that review like a week after we did, I'd have been more savage in retrospect. <laughs> Yo, yeah, we did do it, like, straight after we saw yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, the longer the film sat with me, the more it just completely fell apart. Yeah.
0: I, I've had that exact experience. Yeah. I, I actually tweeted about it, I think. I was like, the more I think about Rise of Skywalker, the more I feel like I just don't need to go back to the star wars universe it's like i'm done and i know going, it'll, it'll swing back up you know everybody saw me just watch mandalorian you'll feel better and that's kind of
1: going to disney world literally the day after i saw it and getting to ride the millennium falcon ride and everything really helped my coping process of uh going through that so uh excellent y'all be sure to check uh check out we watch the thing uh and then just for general plugs we always anything we've read been playing watched anything like that uh i mentioned a little bit earlier i watched nebraska again uh last night um it was somehow different and better than i remembered which is always weird to me i I remember kind of watching it and thinking it was like a really just heavy gimmick film because it was black and white and you know um the reliance on the elderly characters obviously bruce dern's not incompetent or anything like that but it's um it was good and it's one of those movies that uh a perfect runtime and the the ending is so great about how uh he gets to drive that truck down the main street of uh-huh, the city uh-huh. he grew up in and so that was uh nebraska if you haven't seen nebraska i definitely recommend that
0: i watched that movie tw- it was nominated for it won i think or at least it was nominated for best screenplay i don't think so but i've seen it twice in theaters, so maybe
2: billy Tofer, what have y'all been watching um i've been what have i got to recently Let's see how long this app takes to open because I can't remember anything. (gasps) You know what I got to about a week ago? I don't know if this, I don't know what kind of take this is where everyone sits on it, but flicking around Netflix a week ago, fairly late at night, I was like, I haven't watched The Untouchables in a long time. Hell yeah. That's not a good film. What? (laughs) That is not a good film. And Connery's win for that film is an actual disgrace.
1: I misheard. You said Untouchables, not Intouchables. Not intouchable. Right, talk no. about The, okay, the Palma okay.
0: movie.
1: Oh, the
2: okay, yeah. Eh. Really? Yeah.
0: I mean, well, okay. I, I can't really speak. I haven't seen. Although
2: it I think Intou- I actually think Intouchables is wicked overrated. <laughs> <sighs> well, I didn't dislike. Look, I didn't dislike it, but that's going to do it for the contrarians. Be... Where. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then did a then did a kind of um, a memorial viewing of Spartacus after Kirk kicked it. Nice.
0: I still haven't seen it. Uh, I think that might be the only Kubrick movie that I haven't seen.
2: It's it's by no means his best because he didn't have full creative control. It really was a you know a job for the studio, but it's still it's an impressive bit of work.
0: Billy, have you has your kit uh, allowed you to watch anything, or are you just holding <laughs> off for your for your film festival? <laughs> no, no. Uh,
2: just last week, actually, I got to weathering with you, um, which I'd been really keen to see. It had. Why did you think? And, I know you were excited I, I for that. Personally, I personally loved it. Um, I know that you were a little lukewarm on it um have you got to your name yet
0: uh no but uh my wife ordered it uh so we got the yeah i saw that we got the blu-ray uh a few days ago so i I, you know that's the the thing is i can't watch it on my own that's one of the things that i have to it has to be (laughs) the right time where we're both at home and we both well i'm always down for movie but my wife usually needs to just kind of like she goes to bed a lot earlier than I do, so yeah, <laughs> she needs to yeah. feel like she can put in the 90 <laughs> minutes or two hours. But I, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I mean, definitely, I like Weathering With You enough that I, I definitely wanted to watch uh, Your Name. And, yeah. and it's a beautiful movie to look at. If nothing else, I mean, it's Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm a
2: big anime fan, and particularly, you know, being an, an animator and an animation student, I, I think it's so stunning what Shinkai is able to achieve in, you know, what he does. Um, and also because I'm a pretty emotional dude. I know that some people have trouble with the over emotionality of the character in his characters in his movies, but I just cried like a, a little kid the entire movie. I loved it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's I I, I think that it, it, I wouldn't say turn me off, but I always have to. It, it takes some adjusting when I watch uh, Japanese animation because the the emotions are so heightened, yeah, uh, yep. the way they're animated and the way they're performed. And so I know that when it works, it's extra special because it's getting through that extra layer of <laughs> resistance that I have.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen an anime series called Ace of Diamond. It's it's about baseball and just like regular baseball, like not superheroes or anything. It's it's about baseball players, but it feels like you're watching Dragon Ball Z because every time they hit the ball it's like it explodes in flames and everything. It's so over the top, it's brilliant. What I- what is this superhero baseball that you need to distinguish between regular baseball? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, watching it, if you watched it on mute, for example, you might think that it was, like, superhero baseball because of how exaggerated everything is. But it's just regular. It's amazing. It's so mm-hmm. good. They can read minds like Astros players. <laughs> yeah. Very topical. Yeah. yeah. Went right over Julio's head.
0: <laughs> baseball, football, it's all the same.
2: <laughs> this is from an article I read eight hours ago.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Knew nothing about it
2: before then. <laughs>
1: I have a friend who always says about baseball 162 games who could possibly care? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I finally started season the last season of Silicon Valley. I've I, you know it's just I've been busy so I, I mean, it's already over. it's only like I think eight episodes and uh, uh, being a big fan of the show, this is the first time that I haven't watched it live as they were coming out. So I started it a couple nights ago, watched the first episode, and it just all came back. It's, just, it's so funny, and I'm going to miss it so much. Uh, I really hope that they stick the landing. I haven't read anything, so I don't know how it ends. I don't know how the ending has been received. Uh, I have no idea where it's going, but I, I'm a big fan of the show. And it's uh, just the attention to detail, uh, the, you know. They have basically their own world out yeah. <laughs> there in Silicon Valley, and uh, it just—I think that the way that they play with with everything that's going on there is—it's really cool. So, I think I have seven or eight more episodes to go, and uh, I look forward to relishing every single one of them.
2: Yeah, one of the best comedies on TV, definitely. Yep. Have you, did you finish it? Are you all I caught did, up? I did. I did. Yeah. 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 I'm all caught up. Yeah. I always oh. watched it live. I won't spoil here.
0: <laughs> you will hear yeah. from me what I've done. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
2: Well, guys, we
1: really appreciate y'all being on. I'm glad we were finally able to do this.
0: It finally happened. Thanks for having, <laughs> thank it's for having us. It's been a pleasure. All right, so next time we'll let you guys pick the movie. Yes. Tommy, Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> next time we'll let Topher pick the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, excellent. All right, well, y'all be sure to check out We Watched the Thing. Uh, and thank you for listening to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong, and we will catch you next time.